All right. Hello, everybody. This is A7X Fan Ben here with God Mason, and this is episode number 24 of the Pirates CSG podcast. And tonight we're covering Rise of the Fiends. It's another set review, and uh, we're just going to jump straight into it with what the set is known for. And uh, this was the debut of the Cursed Seas um, renaming. So there was a bit of a controversy um, with Wizards of the Coast and the Constructible Strategy game name, so they renamed it uh, Pirates of the Curse Seas Pocket Model Game. Um, I wasn't really a big fan of that, especially because it does kind of complete the transition from mostly historical in the first three to five sets to, you know, Curse Seas. Not exactly, you know, the name of a historical game, but I'll let you go into the next little thing. Yep. This was the only set ever released where they deviated from the blue uh the blue ocean and terrain sort of surrounds on the islands and terrain and instead you got red islands which was really strange i think it was maybe supposed to be blood or whatever but it means that if you want to use your little cardboard islands from eyes of the fiends you have to put down a red cloth instead which is kind of funky yeah i've never liked that i understand like what they were going for with the aesthetic the set is very red the packs are pretty much all red um, but I think it looks pretty bad. I think it looks pretty strange. Some of like usually the islands, the land part of the islands flipped up, and the icebergs especially look pretty strange. I think the whirlpools and reefs, can kind of, the whirlpools and reefs can kind of get a pass. The other stuff, yeah, the Sargasso Seas just look. It just looks. Oh yeah, the Sargasso Seas are really ugly. Yeah, they, it looks very glaring and garish and kind of just bad on on an ocean. So and I'm not gonna buy a, yeah. a red you know, backgrounds to play on it, so. <laughs> yeah, it was a strange gimmick. Um, yeah. I'm not really sure why they did it or where it went after that. Probably they realized how bad it looked, but that's how that went. Um, this set also introduced two new unit types, Scorpions and Flotillas. Um, now, I'm going to read the Scorpion keyword first for people who aren't familiar. A Scorpion is a three-masted ship. It's actually a very long three-masted ship. All the masts are toward the rear, and up front, it's got this scythe on it. And it says for the keyword, a ship with this keyword printed on its deck plate has a movable blade that can slash its enemies. Yes, the blade does actually move. After a Scorpion ship has completed a move action or a shoot action, if it has not rammed an opposing ship this turn, it may attack any one opposing ship that it can touch with its blade as a free action. The attack automatically succeeds and eliminates one mass from the target. No die roll is required. No ability can prevent it. The target is now pinned and can be boarded. Sea creatures can be pinned but not boarded. The Scorpion ship is not pinned. A blade functions even if the ship is derelict. So, in other words, it's... You're basically getting a three-masted ship with this kind of cool little uh, offensive ability on the front. Um, but uh, one of the problems with Scorpions is because they're all really long and all your masts are toward the back, it's really hard to use your guns and that on the same turn. Yeah. Yeah, I've always found them to be overpriced, as we'll see in the actual set. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. when I reread the keyword, I'm surprised by how good it is. Um the automatic elimination and the pinning are definitely good, you know, offensive effects. But that being said, it's still, you know, not a great ship type by any means. So. Yeah, it's hurt further by the fact that the masts on these are actually pretty close together. Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, yeah. That's never mind the fact that a lot of them really are way too expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. It reminds I the, think the mast problem reminds me of longships a little bit. The three masted longships. 
the you're firing, right there. Yeah, the firing arcs yeah. are weird. It, I mean, at least three-masted longships tend to be pretty stubby, whereas these, uh, it's they're ungainly. It's really hard to use all three of your guns and yeah, use right. a blade the mass- in one action. Uh-huh. And then the other unit type introduced, the flotilla, is more or less a floating gun platform. Um, most of them have no cargo space, but they're not... Pr- prohibited from being assigned crew or equipment so if you do have ways to increase their cargo space be it a cargo master or a cargo booster like ismail or Dominic freda you can actually put crew on them mm-hmm. but anyway um as for the platforms themselves the rules regarding the flotilla a game piece with its keyword is a floating gun platform treat it like a ship with the following exceptions a flotilla has a printed movement of t meaning that it can only move when towed by a ship of its own nationality in its fleet a ship may begin towing a flotilla by touching any part of it when towing a flotilla a ship uses its full printed base move but any abilities of it or its crew that affect base move are ignored a ship may use its wait <clears throat> no, I accidentally reread that bit. A ship may stop towing a flotilla at any time where it remains until towed again or sunk. A flotilla has no masts. Instead, it has a flag which can be eliminated only if the flotilla is hit twice during a single shoot action. When it has no flag, any hit will sink it. If the flag has been eliminated, the flotilla may be given a repair action, even if it's at sea, to replace it. A flotilla may be given a shoot action, even if the even if it has no flag, it is never derelict. It shoots from the dice printed on its base. A flotilla cannot be rammed or boarded, cannot be given move actions, cannot explore. I, and I'm pretty sure they can sort of shoot through themselves, but I'm not entirely sure of that. Can you confirm yeah. or deny? Yeah, they can shoot through their own bulk, similar okay. to the fourth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's actually good to know in case I use a flotilla again. Mm-hmm. Um, as for flotillas as a unit type, they're a great way to add cheap firepower, but they're also not super durable, and I kind of wish they were not as expensive, even though any cheaper, they'd probably be broken. Yeah, yeah, I think the cost is right. Um, I've used them a lot, very, very effectively. I think they're extremely good bang for the buck, because um, you can get you know, four cannons that are usually pretty good between the rank and the range for between seven to ten points. So they're a very good deal for the points, and we'll see some couple really good ones in this set uh, pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So I like flotillas a lot, and I use them often for, for great effectiveness, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, something else I'd like to mention is every flotilla also comes with the extended range keyword, which basically mm-hmm. means every gun can shoot double its printed range. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the funny thing is, despite most flotillas actually being pretty similar, um, they're all within about a three or four point window, and uh, many of them have pretty similar guns, but they gap between the worst and the best. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's as surprising point. as that may sound to some people. Yeah, yeah, they can go and read the uh, flotilla ranking thing uh, for more information on that. Another thing that Rise of the Fiends is known for is people who've gotten the checklist will... I th- I wonder how many times it's been posted about on the Miniature Trading yeah. Forum, but people will ask, hey, uh, where do I get Cannibal King, Raptor Maw, and Ocho Brazo? <laughs> there were a 
Okay, like between 91 and 99 on the checklist, this is a really small set. I think it's even smaller than uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. They were special edition ships. Only some of them were released with the treasure chest uh, sort of special edition box in this in this set. And uh, a bunch of them were actually never found in the box. Yep. So some of them were delayed for later sets. We're going to point those out as we get to them, uh, but we're not going to talk about any of them except for, I, or at least any of the ones that were delayed, except for Ocho Brazo. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, 100 through 103, those were the four-masted boxed uh, special edition ships. Those were circulated, so those are going to be talked about as normal. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition... All the uh, LE or promo ships with the bronze corner, they were never circulated either. They could only be found in factory sets, and they're all variations on pieces that are in normal circulation. Some of them are a bit better, though. Yeah. Yeah. There are some notoriously good crew and some pretty unique abilities among them. So we'll talk about them when it gets to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then Mm -hmm. they also debuted the stories, which I thought was kind of, I don't know, kind of an interesting gimmick, um, maybe unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got them up on the video here. It was kind of a cool way to expand upon the flavor text of some of the more famous characters like Blackheart, Thomas Gunn, Phantasma, Calico Cat. People have been around since, you know, the first set or the second set, like 2004 or 5, Spanish Main. Um, But the thing they did here, it was supposed to be every pack, but the ROTF Rise of the Fiend stories were more like one in every 10 packs. So they became a lot harder to collect than the uh, fire and steel stories, which did come in every pack. So, and I know I only have a few of the Rise of the Fiend stories, so they're kind of, yeah, kind of a weird, kind of an odd rarity, but yeah, they are actually pretty hard to find. Yeah. Even though Rise of the Fiends is a pretty cheap set. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I know anybody who's got any, full collections of them maybe aside from old man on miniature trading but yeah, of course. Yep. <laughs> but yeah um i think with that we're ready to launch into the set itself yeah. nice i'm gonna start with uh 001 and lose leave the delusion for last hopefully um yeah so good idea yeah the fool's hope is the first ship in the set this is a five-masted pirate ship it's rare 19 points three cargo l move all five cannons are 3s and then it's got some powerful abilities it has eternal and then it says if this ship succeeds at a boarding party choose two of the following eliminate a crew take a treasure or eliminate a mask so this is a kind of a mega gunship that falls short a bit because her cannons are a bit mediocre and the cargo is quite low and the cost is quite high so you're getting three cargo for 19 points which is kind of atrocious really especially for the pirate faction um they do have enough named crew to make this a powerhouse i would recommend Maybe one of the world haters from Ocean's Edge, like Calico Cat or um, Crimson Angel, to get like extra actions, along with World Hater, to make all the cannons 2S. Um, Captain and Helmsman would still be necessary. And then maybe an oarsman to protect Eternal and to make the ship harder to capture. Um, so the Fool's Hope, I don't know, kind of just like an overpriced gunship that can still do well, but the pirates do have a lot of better options with Five Masters. Yeah, they really do. Um, I don't know if I've posted my 19-point ship ranking yet, have I? Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Yeah, I think we both remember this was near the top, if not right at the top, 
which is kind of funny because as you pointed out, it is not actually all that great a value because statistically it's really average. All its guns are 3S, base move is L, cargo space is 3, and it's at 19 points. Uh, you can basically get Fool's Hope without its abilities at all for what's uh, – how much is that Flying Dutchman promo that circulated in Caribbean? It's like 11 points, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, good point. And it's basically the same ship. Uh, you don't get Eternal or the boarding ability, but on this ship, I'd argue those are pretty overpriced. Yeah. Because as this set established elsewhere, WizKids considered Eternal to be worth two points, and I'm pretty sure this uh, the secondary ability was worth to them four points at most. So it's really strange to see this so expensive. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I think fourteen or fifteen could work. And like you said mm-hmm. in that nineteen point ranking thread, um, the Flying Dutchman is really similar to the original twenty point one. It's it's better though. Yeah. It has better abilities. It's only one point more for two more cargo. So yeah. the Fool's Hope is not only worse than the most similar ship to her, but we'll also see a better version of the Fool's Hope later in the set. So mm-hmm. one, because yeah. yeah, because the LE ships were clones of ships that were in the set but with different abilities and traits exactly. and blah blah blah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Fool's Hope is she's a decent ship, but she's not actually a good value for your points. Exactly. Um on the other hand, the next ship down, uh, HMS Apollo, I think they get all the uh, like the five masters out of the way first and then the one masters. It, I think one of the other things people pointed out is that Rise of the Fiends had some strange organization. Yeah, um, yeah it started with Caribbean, but then it, they made it even worse with this set, with the generic crew. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yes, they did. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, HMS Apollo is a 14.5 master, four cargo, SS move, and then the guns are 2S on the ends, and then a trio of 3L guns in the middle. This ship gets plus one to her cannon rolls against pirate ships and linked to Thomas Gun. Statistically, this is actually a pretty decent gunship for its size. It's kind of milk toast, but it's also not bad at all yeah yeah i like this one quite a lot um this is another one where the le is even better but this version of hms mm-hmm. apollo is nothing to nothing to complain about really you've got um like you said it's a little maybe not super exciting compared to the titan or some of the other crazy english five masters like endeavor we saw recently um yep. but it's in terms of a budget option it's actually one of their better five masters only 14 points You've got a really nice array of cannons. You've got a mix of ranges and good ranks. Then um, the speed and ability are fine. And the Pirates of the Best Faction got a link to Thomas Gunn, who has uh, probably three very useful versions. Um, so the Apollo is definitely a good choice for an English flagship, especially in a smaller game where you can't maybe can't afford the Endeavor, for example. So, yeah. yeah. And then the yeah, next. Yeah, that's one, a good point. Yeah, uh, the next one is the Aberdeen Baron, which is a rare English large treasure runner, and you'll see why. Uh, it's a rare 5 master, 12 points, SS move, the cannons are 3S at the bow, and then the other four cannons are 4S's, and it has the Explorer ability built in, so the ship can dock and explore a wild island using the same move action. So you'll notice good cargo, mediocre, if not bad, cannons, solid speed, and explorers. So this is a rare English five master that can run gold, and it's pretty much just a merchant ship. She's not, there's no real reason to turn her into a gunship. So for this one, I usually just 
plop a helmsman on, and usually just that's it, because you've already got Explorer, uh, maybe an Oarsman if you want. You could try Thomas Gunn that we'll see soon, who has Captain Helmsman for one cargo space. Um, but the Aberdeen Baron is actually one of the better English Bold Runners, and something they could really use. And I like using her, because she's really durable, too, which is kind of a rarity for good gold ships. Yeah, Aberdeen Baron is an oddity. I feel like she should be a Spanish ship, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, thematically, yeah. because she's big and slow and not too well-armed and her focus is on cargo. Mm-hmm. But she's absolutely a standout among the English and a pretty decent ship. Not a great value for points because you can get faster stuff uh, with about the same cargo space for significantly cheaper, even among the English, but not going to complain. Yeah. The next ship which is Spanish, is kind of infamous. This is San Cristobal. San Cristobal is a 17.5 master. Five cargo, SS move, all three rank guns, S at the end, L in the middle three guns, linked to Victor de Alva, and then the ability, if this ship has a crew with a captain keyword, she gets plus L to her base move, which means that simply outfitted with a helmsman and captain, San Cristobal can move... SSSL, which makes her one of the fastest ships in the game, and I think outright the fastest five master, yep. or at least she's tied with she's tied with like three or four ships for that. But she's the cheapest way to get SSSL out of a five master. Yeah, by far the cheapest. The most I think the other ones, maybe all of them, need Griffin. So which is kind of hard. Yeah, to, they do. Yeah, it's kind of hard to finagle him aboard sometimes, though. Yeah, San yeah. Cristobal is legendary, um, one of the best gunships ever, definitely. I think costing her around 20 or, or even 21 or 22 would have been better. Um, she's definitely... And people would still use her. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, she's definitely a staple of some competitive fleets. Um, Xerix and I saw her in tournament number two, did pretty well um, as part of at least one fleet. And like you said, the speed is just ridiculous because first strike is almost guaranteed. And the link is amazing, because we'll see uh, Victor de Alba has captain with extra action for one cargo space. So consequentially, she's actually one of the best Spanish hybrids in the game, because you put him, Helmsman, maybe Explorer if you want. Um, you can use uh, Vacro, the uh, the zero LR reroller, who can link to de Alba and therefore save a cargo space. So you can basically... With a Helmsman, Dealba, and the Reroller, you can still have four cargo, and then you can be moving SS, LS, potentially doubled relatively often. So it's it's really crazy and pretty much overpowered. But, but yeah, Sam yeah. is still one of the best in the game. I think it, it looks cool, too. It actually, I really like the hull design, and the sails are, yeah. are fitting as well. So yeah, she's cool. a very pretty ship. Um, yeah. Talking about San Cristobal reminds me of something that I wanted to say about the set as a whole. Rise of the Fiends probably has some of the biggest gaps between its best and its worst pieces. Yeah. Um, because there's some really great stuff like San Cristobal. There's a handful of like absolutely must-haves in the set among a lot of really, really terrible junk. Yeah. Yeah, at the end we can give our yeah. overall thoughts on the set, and that's something I'll, yeah. I'll say. I, I underrate this set, actually. I kind of give it a bad rap because it's small and mediocre and the scorpions mm-hmm. i hate um but there's a lot of good you know sailing ships just regular you know square massive ships in here um but yeah 
that was a good way to weasel that detail in there. Oh, uh, nice. Next nice. One, the next nice. one is uh, the Weasel, which is a pirate one-masted sloop. This one is the opposite of San Cristobal. Just a horrible ship. Uh, it's eight points, <laughs> free cargo, S move. Yep, that's right, only S. And the, the Banshee's Cry is LL for less than half the cost. Anyway, um, 4S cannon and home island rating. So the ship can dock an enemy home island, load one treasure. If able, it must leave on your next turn. But you're not going to get out of there with no durability and only S speed. So um, Well, that's uh, assuming that you even get there because yeah. somebody's going to walk around the table and go, oh, you're trying to raid my home island. Yeah. Then they ram you on the way to, uh, yep. to pick up gold from yeah, the wild no, island and take your ship yeah. out. There's no way you're going to weasel yourself out of that situation. So yeah. this one is just yeah, that. The, Even with a houseman, it's pretty much unusable. So Yeah, I would say maybe as a joke, you could put an oarsman on it and go, huh, I can keep going at the yeah. same speed. Yeah, um, yeah uh, an oarsman and a houseman and make yourself a really stupid waste of points if you feel like losing a game and having fun at it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't use Weasel. Um, I would rather see Steve Irwin grab it and throw it over a cliff. Yeah. Um, uh, but poor Steve Irwin, he's killed by a Stingray, uh, which brings me on to the next ship, HMS Stingray. <laughs> that was a really terrible segue. <laughs> uh, uh, HMS Stingray is a 9.1 master, and uh, she gets two cargo, also S-move, two S-cannons, and... Her ability is L-range cannons can't hit this ship. Sorry if you're hearing my dog. She's a little bit excitable. <laughs> Problem with HMS Stingray is we've talked about this a trillion times. Defensive abilities are next to useless on one masters unless it's ramming resistance. And yeah. even if it is, they're of oh-so-limited value. She's slow. She's got a useless ability. Okay, she's well-armed, but this is a bad ship. Really yeah. bad. Yeah, it's. I think it's like considerably better than Weasel due to the ability and cannon, but it's still not good at all. There's not really much you can do with it. So, for, for I mean, with a Captain and Helmsman, she would cost 14, and you could get the Apollo empty for that much. So, pretty bad. Um, yeah. And yeah, there's a big disparity already between the Five Masters versus the One Masters. They are about to get a little better, but um, the Halcon is the next one. It's a Spanish One Masted sloop. Uh, six points, three cargo, L move, three S cannon, and once per turn, the ship can look at one face down cargo on any ship. So a nice little spying ability. This one is basically just a support ship to maybe fill out the points uh, when you're looking for a ship at the end of your fleet when building it. Um, I've used her a few times, mostly in big games. You could send her out maybe empty and be a really slow gold runner that spies on enemies from afar, or with a helmsman as well, but then you only have two cargo, so... For the Spanish, it's not a very good gold runner, but, I mean, if, if your collection is limited or you just need to fill out points in a big fleet, it's not a, not a terrible choice. Yeah, Halcona's not too bad at all. She's, she's nothing special, but if you really do need just sort of a uh, something to fill a gap, she'll do the job decently, and her ability is probably all right. Because it'll let you figure out what sort of crew your uh, your enemies are using. Yeah. Um, next up is Magd. Oh, sorry, I shirt myself a little bit. Magdalena, which is another one-masted sloop for Spain. 
Six points, three cargo, SS move, two S gun. When touching a pirate ship, this ship can load as much of that ship's treasure she can carry. So it's kind of like Huckon with a better gun and better base move, but worse ability. And I guess I'd say she's better overall, but not much. Yeah, yeah, definitely better because um, she can run gold while empty a bit better. And yeah, the cannon is nice, but she's probably not going to use it. So I kind of like the way mm-hmm. the ship looks too. It looks like a almost like a police ship or something in a way, like the red white the cross yeah um like a red cross um yeah she's a pretty little ship yeah yeah the magdalena i've used her more than the halcon partly because she's just been in my collection longer but and the magdalena has done actually pretty well um the best use i can suggest for her is just empty gold i wouldn't bother with a captain or a helmsman or anything really so not a bad ship but not too great either um the next one is the pestilence so this is the first scorpion and we went over the scorpion keyword uh, this is a cursed three-masted scorpion. They're all three masts. Um, 17 points, three cargo, L move. The cannons are 3L, 3L, 4S. And then it's also got fear. So um, for 17 points, though, this is not a good deal. Um, even with a Captain and Helmsman, you're paying 22. So you've got basically two overpriced keywords at decent cannons, I suppose, and a relatively average or slightly below average cargo hold all for a high price point um it's not not a good choice even for the yeah cost. yeah, yeah. Pest is uh, you could make this ship like 12 points and you'd still be going Ugh. Yeah. i mean the 3l guns are good hard to use again um, the 4s gun that's pointless you're never going to use it it's not fast it doesn't have a lot of cargo um, you're right about it having two overpriced keywords. I think you'd rarely see this ship used even at like 11 points. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fair point, actually. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but yeah. Yeah. Pestilence is really bad. There are some better, um, there are some better scorpions. We'll get into those. Uh, Scythe is next. Scythe is 15 points. And for 15 points, you get three cargo, SS move, and all three S guns. And you also get plus one to boarding rolls, which I think is more relevant, probably. But the guns are worse. The base move is better. This is It's still not a good ship yeah. because you still got a sort of dead average three master with a couple small abilities. Uh, without, like, if this ship were not a scorpion and didn't have this ability, I'd say she would be worth eight points maybe nine yeah. at the very most. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And Scorpion and the boarding rolls, those aren't worth uh, six or seven points. I'd say, uh, yeah, another 11 or 12 pointer here. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the side I've used a few times, still not my favorite Scorpion. Um, but, yeah, it's just pretty average and boring. Um, I'd say the artwork is probably the best attribute here. It looks yeah. cool and unique. The other, I would say the the pestilence and the scorpion coming up next look really boring actually for cursed ships. Usually the cursed have interesting designs, but at least the scythe does. So anyway, and the scythe is kind of like uh, I did this in the pokey ship thread at miniature trading. Um, sometimes they're called pokey ships because scythe is like scyther um, from the Pokemon series. <laughs> so that's is that of, really where that came from? <laughs> uh, not well. I don't think they named the ship. 
because of that, but that's part well, of... Well, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, that's part uh, of I mean, like, like where the Pokeship's name came from? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that or uh, Kabutops is another one, definitely, that's uh, pretty much identical. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so, yep. Um, and that was Holoferns that original, originally coined that term. Um, the next <laughs> one is the Scorpion, which is, like, you know, the whatever it's called, self-titled, anonymous name. Um, yeah. And the curse get another remaster, of course, 15 points, four cargo, only S speed. So this is the slowest Scorpion we've seen yet. All three cannons are 3L, though, and it's got Eternal. So this one is maybe the best in terms of pure combat. It's got kind of that Dreadnought type thing going for it. S speed, solid cannons, Eternal. And the cargo is a little higher at four, so you can afford to put a decent amount of crew aboard. So I would say the scythe is better because the speed is really important. But scorpion is kind of a kind of a fun, intriguing option for cursed players. But if you if you need a good gunship or you don't really have much cursed stuff, this is never gonna see the light of day in your collection. Yeah, um, scorpion's problem, of course. The guns are great. The cargo space is good. The base move is painful. Um, this might work as part of kind of a big, slow battle group, but Scorpion's problem is that you absolutely need a helmsman, so you're going to spend another two points anyway. And they have limited access to world haters, mm-hmm. so increasing the cannon ranks isn't all that easy. Um, I guess helmsman oarsman and then maybe a captain is how i'd use this mm-hmm. maybe if you can find some cheap extra action availability but uh extra actions are probably more useful on a better ship yeah yeah, yeah. yep after scorpion comes bloody blade and bloody blade is a 16 point scorpion again three cargo l move 2l 3l 3s guns kind of strange this ship ignores the first hit she takes each turn as long as she has all her masts. Not too bad an option, but kind of missing the point of being a scorpion. I mean, she's a little bit, she's a bit more durable, but her guns are weird. She's still not fast, and she still doesn't have much cargo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. This one, I will say, the Bloody Blade is actually my favorite of the scorpion ships um, that can fight with the best of them. Um, she's got a good defense ability, the cannons are pretty much the best, and you have just enough cargo and speed to be a decent gunship. So, the Bloody Blade, I think, is the best of these four that the Cursed got. Um, obviously, as far as ships go, even the Cursed still have better options for gunships. So, it's still not a great choice, but for Cursed players, this is the most viable option. And I have used the Bloody Blade um, multiple times now, including some campaign games, and she has done pretty well overall, so... This one is, I think, the most usable of the Scorpions. Um, mm-hmm. And now into the flotillas, which I love. Um, the first one is also Cursed. This is a, a flotilla called the Death's Anchor. Uh, seven points, uh, no cargo, of course. Uh, T-based move, so you have to tow it. And uh, all four cannons are 3S, but then they've got printed cannon ranges are doubled, so extended range. So four cannons firing at rank 3 with S plus S range. So a pretty good bang for your buck here. Um, the Kurt's got a pretty solid couple of flotillas, not as good as the English or the Spanish made out, but um, mm. this is something the Kurt's can really use, and I have used the Death's Anchor. This one especially has been in my collection for quite a while now. I have multiple copies of it that I've used, 
and it always does pretty well. Um, I don't usually do well with rank three cannons, but if you're getting four for seven points, that's about as good as you can get on, on firepower. So I would highly recommend first players get a hold of this. Uh, the Fallen Angel, um, Celestine, and Grinder come to mind as, or even Executioner maybe come to mind. Mm -hmm. It's pretty good ships to tow it. So pretty good. Yeah, I'd say probably Executioner because Executioner has. Um, I mean, these three, okay, these like double S range rank three guns are, I guess you can say comparable to three L's with a little bit more range. Yeah. So you'd probably want them paired with a ship that's got guns like that. Um, the grinder probably isn't quite scary enough to face even with Death's Anchor to deter people. So I'd say I'd probably put it with Executioner. Yeah. Mm. After Death's Anchor comes a Spanish flotilla, Diablo. Diablo is seven points as well, but half of its guns are 2S and half of its guns are 3S. So same cost, better guns. Yep. Yeah, pretty yeah. self-explanatory. Yeah, yeah, this one is quite good. Um, I just love the firepower for the cost. Um, and yeah, for the Spanish... I think an underrated strategy is actually hooking up these up to um, gold runners with good base moves. So La Monarca would pair really yeah. well with this for a great yeah. defense system, better than a canceller in some cases. So definitely. I um, I did pair La Monarca and a flotilla on one of my fleets at some point, but I went awry at the rules and uh, people let me know that, and I kind of made it private since. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I had a fleet with that. A similar combo. I don't know if it was this flotilla, but anyway, um, the next one is my favorite flotilla and what I think could be the best. Um, Gibraltar, uh, named after you know the rock, of course. Um, this is an English one, and it's also seven points. And all four cannons now are two S, so they're basically rank two, firing at S plus S range. This is a fantastic flotilla. I personally think this is one of the best pure deals on firepower in the entire game on par with some stuff like the London and other great um, bank for the buck gunships like the Oxford. And actually, the Oxford would be a good ship to tow the to Gibraltar because she's got SL-based move. But this mm -hmm. one, I just can't say enough. It looks boring um, compared to some of the other colorful flotillas, but in terms of pure effectiveness, this is killer and really, really great. Another hosting candidate I would like to point out is another unit with the same name, HMS Gibraltar, yep. which is a super steroided up two master from Crimson Coast, for those that remember. It's 12 points, but it's got great cargo. It's got, I think, 3S move. Yep. It's got 2S guns, and it's got a great ability. I don't remember. I think it's like Home Island rating or yeah. cargo wrecking. Yeah, Home Island rating. Yeah, it's a great, well-stacked uh, 12.2 Master, and if you throw this behind it, you've suddenly got, like, I mean, you've basically got HMS Grand Temple levels of firepower, but you're considerably faster. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be kind of funny, though, having the, Gibral the Gibraltar Patrol around. Yeah. Yep. Um, the next flotilla up is kind of a weird one the americans get one it's called minuteman and unlike gibraltar i would not tow her behind the ship with which she shares a name minuteman gets a mix of 2s and 4l guns so it's got more range it's got guns that are 4ll 
and some of it are two SS. I'm not sure this is as good as even. I'd say this is probably worse than uh, Diablo is, because the accuracy is more important than the range is. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, the LL is cool, but um, it reminds me of the sniping ability. You're not going to get the fives and sixes all that often, so it's definitely yeah. a weird one. Maybe the weirdest flotilla in general, um, but the Americans, I guess you could say they're just happy to get one in general. It's the only one they got, so yeah. yeah. yeah it's still a solid choice, but Americans kind of handicapped a little bit compared to the other big four factions. Um, yeah. So now... I... Yeah, oh, uh, I would like to add on, I have paired Minuteman with Destiny, um, one of those American ships from Crimson Coast. Mm-hmm. And that may sound interesting and like a cool little gimmick, but it didn't work very well because Destiny has four ass guns with the sniping ability. Yeah. And then Minuteman, <laughs> the most accurate guns were the two S guns. Yeah. And I basically only hit with those it was 15 points it was plenty of range and no hits (laughs) and it was pretty slow too on the ss move yeah yeah that's the thing i'd like to have at least sl speed at a minimum uh with both yeah um unless it's like a super juggernaut yeah yeah uss hudson comes to mind among Mm -hmm. others of course um okay so we're into the crew now el phantasma is the next up he gets yet another variation here and this is yet another good one uh it's a cursed seven point rare crew and he's got a boatload of abilities loyal cursed eternal fear so those are the keywords three of them then he's also got sat so once per turn before you do a ship in action you roll a d6 on a five or six you can give her the same action twice so this is a very rare source of a a die based extra action or same action twice ability for the cursed therefore he's immediately usable um you're kind of wasting a couple points on fear, but considering how overpriced fear usually is, it showed up at six on the unblinking 99. So here it's only two, I pretty much. So, so this mm-hmm. is a fantastic crew for the curse. One of the best versions of Phantasma. The Ocean's Edge Sack Captain version is a little bit more purely effective, but this is still a really great choice um, for a lot of their gunships, especially Executioner, Divine Dragon, the Ten Masters. He's got plenty of good ships to come aboard and command a fleet from. So, excellent crew here. I really love this one, actually. I think this kids did a great job. And once again, the artwork is uh, pretty haunting. I've got that up on the video. Neat. Yeah, uh, this version of El Phantasma is a super valuable crew to the Cursed. And he's probably one of their best for Juggernaut-type ships because he adds multiple very powerful abilities defensive offensive what have you um not so good is this variant of hag of tortuga i don't know if this is canonically the same hag as is found in crimson coast because that hag looks much younger and much less human-like sort of like rad facey yeah uh, yeah it's the same one yeah yeah which is which is strange to me because they look very different uh this version of hag of tortuga is four points and if a sea monster begins its move within l of the ship it gets l2's base move that's not like a bad ability but i'm pretty sure the cursed have other options for this ability so i'm gonna say between the the choice elsewhere and the lack of utility for this ability this is a pretty weak crew 
Yeah, yeah, it's not a great one. It works well with the cursed sea monster gimmick. Um, I've actually got a YouTube video coming soon, uh, delving into the strategy a little bit in a review format. But uh, that being said, it's not a great value for points, even for a faction that does have a lot of sea monsters. Um, I like using it as a gimmick, because that's kind of a cursed thing. They kind of do wacky, gimmicky things. So I like it for fun, but um, don't don't use it if you're expecting to win a lot with it probably not going to happen so uh the mm -hmm. next one is yet another person who's shown up before blackheart and this one is not a great one seven points and he's got the massacre ability so if the ship succeeds at a boarding party should kill only all the other ship's crew i think we both agree with this um worth no more than five and maybe even last like four um and i think this is yeah. probably the worst version of blackheart maybe not quite they got that weird reverse captain version for six though but when you think about Emperor Blackheart, all-powerful, and then the original Sack Captain version, you're pretty much never going to use this one. Yeah, I agree. We we talked about how expensive this ability was in the Davy Jones Curse review. This is a pretty weak crew, and I'm amazed that WizKids even published this. Stuff is really wacky with this set and uh, and unit costs. Yeah, uh, yeah fantastic. The one we just saw, Phantasma, the same cost, and he's way better. Yeah, like, <laughs> he's probably a little bit underpriced, whereas that one is absolutely overpriced. Yeah. Um, the next one up is Sean Cannonball Gallows, canonically the son of Jenny Gallows. He's five points. Uh, his ability is Loyal Pirate once per turn, uh, D6 extra action, basically. So, not too bad, but you can get better than this with the same ability for a similar price. I'm pretty sure that Calico Cat from Ocean's Edge is one point more links to all pirate ships and has world like hater. it yeah and has world hater. Yeah. So meh. Yeah, I think it's a great crew, but mostly for larger games when you've used maybe both of those. Um yeah. same action twice for three, like the original Calico Cat or Lay like Requin or uh, there's a ton of pirate crew like that. Uh, that's usually a better bank for your buck, so you don't need uh, the extra action like difference on a gunship usually. So gallows won't be used a lot. And some people that don't have the original Hag of Tortuga would opt to use the Mysterious Islands version of gallows because he's got the plus five, zero, limit ransom. Um, got that characteristic going for him. So this version of gallows might not be used as much as the ability would suggest, but it's still a good crew for them, so... And it's another mm -hmm. another case of good artwork. I think the artwork for this stat for the crew was was pretty good. Um, yeah. The next one is Thomas Gunn, and you, you'll know him, of course, from the very first set. Uh, Loyal England, and then Captain and Helmsman for five points with a link to HMS Apollo, which has multiple very good versions. I guess three or four total technically. Um, and this is a great crew for the English. We've been referencing these a bunch, and we'll see another one soon. Um, this is just a fantastic combo where you get Captain Helmsman, the two most essential abilities in the game, essentially, uh, especially for gunships, I should say, um, for just one cargo space. So, fantastic. Um, all the other nations, other than the pirates, are quite envious of the English for their kind of embarrassment of riches in this case. Um, so this is just fantastic. And the English could really use it because they've got some ships like the Dover, King Edward, even the Aberdeen Baron that and the HMS Titan that could use this guy in a hybrid setup, so that's a great crew. 
Yeah, Thomas Gunn is he's really good. His only problem is that he does have a uh, he has kind of a a compatriot with the same ability in this set or the same sets of abilities at the same cost and a different link, but one that is arguably more useful on more ships but we'll talk about that crew later after thomas gunn comes luis zuan who is really interesting because he is a spanish crew that's two points and he's a captain um the reason why he's a two-point captain is because he's hostile pirate loyal spain but that's not much of a big handicap because you're getting you're getting a discount named crew this is like a must-have for anybody who likes playing the spanish yeah yeah, absolutely. This is a great one for a lot of their gunships, especially the smaller ones where you run into point cost problems. Or if you're running against, it's really, um, it's really nice to be able to put this guy into a fleet if you're at, you know, 38 points and you can't fit a full captain aboard your last ship or whatever. He's really useful in that regard. I'm not really a fan mm-hmm. of hostile being a negative. Um, Wolf has talked about that extensively on miniature trading. But that being said, Spain got a got a great discount crew here. Uh, the next one is Jules Arnaud, and he's a French four-point crew, and same as the Haga Tortuga, if a sea monster begins to move with an L of the ship, it gets hostile to its base move, and the flavor text talks about how he's actually the godson of the Haga Tortuga, so you can kind of see where the inspiration for the ability is. Um, uh, France really doesn't need this, because they only have, I want to say, two, around two sea creatures, the sea monsters. And they both showed on and look at the Sioux. Exactly. And they're so horrible. So there's no yeah. reason to use him really. Unless Only you're one of a... which was out by the time this set was out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this is just really poor choice on Woodskid's part. I think he should have gotten a yeah. different ability. Um, the only I mean, thing I can you don't see. Have... I mean, I mean, there's no rule, I think, officially, that you have to have single nation No, I know, uh, that's fleets. exactly, that's what I was going to say. If you were using a cursed fleet, this is another way to get yet another booster in there. Um, mm-hmm. But the cursed already have around three between crew and ships, so you're probably not going to be able to afford four, let alone get them all in range of the same monsters on a turn. So. Yeah. All right, the next one up is Lenoir who is a four-point French crew, loyal France, Parley. Once per turn, you may re-roll any die result you make for the ship. You may use the second die result. Um, I'm not sure what to think of him because I haven't actually played any games with Parley. Okay. Yeah, I haven't played enough. I really want to use Parley more. I think it's one of the most intriguing abilities in the game, especially as like an underrated tactic for offense using it on a gunship to, like, be immune for a while is pretty intimidating. Um, if you've got, you know, one coin, you can afford to lose. Um, this one is great, though, because you get re-roll, and then, so it's, you're essentially getting parley for one point, which is fantastic. Um, I guess part of, part of the loyal France, but I think parley's worth two or three. It's a decent ability. Um, the only, the problem here is Lenoir has two other versions, and they're both cancelers. So that's even better than this crew. So Lenoir is a rare example of where all their versions are extremely good. Um, Thomas Gunn would be another one. But but yeah, uh, the other weird thing about this one, kind of a fun fact, I thought Lenoir was a was a girl based on some of the artwork for the uh, for the sets. Because the Fire and Steel version also looks kind of feminine, kind of weird. Um, so I was pretty shocked when I, because I got the, I got I think I got the Fire and Steel version 
long before the Crimson Coast version. So I went on the, when I was on the miniature training database um, a number of years ago and I saw the Crimson Coast version, I didn't know what was going on because you can clearly tell that version is male. So I was confused, but um, that kind of leads into the next one, which is the Lady's Scorn. And this is the first uncommon ship and it's a pirate four master, 15 points, four cargo, SS move, cannons are 3S, 3L, 3L, 3S, and two abilities. It's got eternal and the reroll ability. So you can reroll a die result once per turn. And this is a very good pirate ship in general, mostly a gunship. Um, the abilities and the speed make her stand out more than anything else. Um, you want to put really good crew on this. Definitely Captain Helmsman. I would probably put Norseman because of Eternal. And then reroll is perfect for SAT or EA extra action. So there's a number of very good combinations with this. And to top it all off, it's a really pretty ship as well. Looks yeah, it's nice. it's got this in... Hold on a second. Chica. Okay. Hopefully she'll calm down now. But Lady Scorn is, like you said, a very pretty ship. She's got this blue motif going for people who aren't watching this but listening to it um her stats are all ever so slightly above average she has a useful flexible set of abilities she's not super exciting but she is a really good reliable ship we can agree on that i think yeah um after lady scorn comes hms saint george and now this is kind of a funny one because hms saint george is a four-masted ship it's 10 points, putting her, I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think she's like the second cheapest four-master ever released. She might be tied with a couple other ships like HMS Dover uh, for that title, but she has three cargo, SS move, all three S guns, and then kind of a useless ability when touching a pirate ship. This can load as much, uh, this ship can load as much of that ship's treasure she can carry. So I'd say HMS Dover is better. Yeah, a lot better. But but this is still a pretty well-balanced ship for 10 points when you look at the base stats. Yeah. Yeah, it's solid. Dover, two more cargo and better middle cannons, so it's a lot better. But, but yeah, this is mm. still it's a decent budget gunship, I guess. Um, you know, the main reason I'm not a fan is because it's really boring. Um, not, the only thing that makes it stand out at all is maybe the cost or the ability, but the ability is not good at all. So and I think it's yeah. a little funny-looking. Um I mean, it looks fine, but Lady Scorn looks a lot better. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just never a ship wowed me, but a decent budget gunship option. I'd much rather have the Dover or pay two, two points more for the Oxford, one point more for the London. So she's got mm-hmm. some steep competition um, at her cost or just above it. So in the same class of four masters for the English. So. Um, yeah. The Concepcion is next for the Spanish, and it's a four-point treasure galleon as i like to call them uh 12 points five cargo l move cannons are 4s 3s 3s 4s and one of the ship's treasures worth plus two gold when unloaded at your home island so a fantastic ability uh kind of middling stats you're not going to use this as a gunship maybe a a hybrid but i like it because it's kind of it evokes memories of the the treasure galleons of old and the silver fleets from from the new world and stuff i think it epitomizes that ideal Spanish ship extremely well, better than almost any other. Um, it doesn't quite look the parks. It kind of looks like a circus ship. It looks a little, a little crazy. <laughs> God, it does. <laughs> yeah, it's got yellow and red. Um, it's the Ronald it, McDonald ship. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got yellow and red in abundance. 
Um, kind of funny, but I mean, it's not super ugly in my opinion, but, but basically I would put a helmsman on probably nothing else. Um, just try to take advantage of the ability. You could try to go a hybrid route, but there's better Spanish ships like the Santa Isabel that can do that a lot better. Yeah. Um, I agree with hybrid or, uh, I agree with, uh, helmsman. If you wanted to go crazy, um, you know how the plus two gold and the plus one abilities, uh, they stack. Yeah. Uh, you could in theory put a, one of those plus one crew on here. If you made more cargo space with one of the ways available to Spain, we'll talk about that later. I'm not going to say that crew quite yet. Or, um, I see this as a good ship to put a silver explorer on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes if sense. you're playing a game with silver. Yeah. Um, uh, after Concepcion comes, Tepent, which is another really strange, but I'd say probably pretty good cheap gunship. She's a four-masted French ship. She's 11 points, and for the most part, her stats look pretty dull. She's got three cargo, L-move, all three-ass guns. But she has the eternal ability, and she's also kind of a weird-looking ship because she's got this sort of red-to-green gradient on her sails. Yeah. Yeah, so she's hard to kill for her cost. Um, yep. You know, the stats are nothing special, but she's really cheap. Yeah, yeah, I think this ship is really unique and pretty cool, actually. Um, I mean, other than Eternal, she's boring, so normally I wouldn't like her, but she's unique-looking, and I've had a tough time with her facing her, which I'll talk about in a second. The Mizzen Mast, mm-hmm. I think it's a misprint on all of them. Uh, the Mizzen Mast is, like, double-printed. It only sails on both sides. You can't really see the mast on the third mast, which is... <laughs> Um, yeah, so like when you put it in, it looks like there's sails on both sides, which is funky. Um, yeah, it's got a weird, like, almost like a purple-red hue on the sails, but then it's got a nice white uh, hull on the bottom part, so it's kind of cool-looking. Um, but I faced this in Vassal Campaign Game 1, where Xerox commanded the French, and uh, the Spanish had kind of pinned them against the home island, and it was very tough to eliminate them, because uh, this thing can be nasty with Captain Helmsman... Lenoir, Cancellor version, and then an Oarsman, because then um, you've got a solid gunship canceling with Eternal, can't capture it until you kill the Oarsman, so it's nasty um, to try to take out with the right crew setup, and that setup Mm -hmm. comes to exactly 11 points with the original version of Lenoir, and fills up the cargo hold, so it's kind of one of those ideal crew setups that I I like a lot, so the T-Pin is is a pretty cool ship, and... uh, before I go to the next one, um, on the YouTube Live, um, we're doing that for the first time in a while. I want to just thank Artist Turn for uh, watching on YouTube, and uh, they said Rise of the Fiends is a set that they've got a bunch of cards with, um, and they've used the, the Concepcion, so just like me, so nice little comment there. And the next one is the Royal Louis, which is a French Warmaster, uh, five cargo, uh, 12 points, I should say. 5 cargo, L move. Cannons are 4S, 3S, 3L, 4L. So, pretty bizarre. Uh, and then it's got Parley built in, which makes it pretty interesting. I think this is kind of a dark horse as a French gold runner with supreme durability. She's got um, 4 masts, decent, you know, decent firepower for a treasure ship, for the most part. And then she's got Parley as well for defense. So, I think the Royal Lewis, as I'm just going to say, is uh, it's actually a pretty good gold option um, in larger games. The French have a lot better options for, you know, grab gold as fast as possible and just win at all costs. But 
I think the Royal Lewis is actually an underrated ship, and I've used her a few times with decent success, and she could even maybe get a helmsman and a captain for a hybrid role, so I think this one is underrated. Yeah, she's probably not too bad. I don't really rate her that highly because she's really poorly armed, not very fast, and not really that cheap. But uh, I do have to give her credit. She's probably quite a pain to sink. Mm -hmm. Um, After Roy Lewis comes the American ship, the American foremaster, Congress. Congress is 14 points, 4 cargo, L move, 2S, 3S, 3L, 3L gun. So another weird setup. The ship gets plus 1 to her boarding rolls and then plus 1 to cannon rolls against sea creatures. Um, I guess the base stats aren't too bad, but the abilities are really underwhelming considering her cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this one is actually a pretty good gunship for the most part. Once again, the cannons are kind of funky. Um, the cannons are the best thing going for it. The, uh, the bonuses, the ability bonuses are kind of lame. Um, I've used yeah. this one decently in campaign games. Um, she's not going to be a great choice for smaller games. You can get USS Hudson with more speed for two less points, for example, among others like Franklin. Um, I will say, once again, the artwork is outstanding here. She's got red, white, and blue um, in abundance. And it's a really, really cool American ship, actually. So, Congress, highly recommended for American fans, but not not quite their best four master. Um, the next one is the Rising Sun, and it's the Pirate Three Master. It's 13 points, 3 cargo, SS move, cannons are 3S, 3L, 3S, and um, Captain Jack Sparrow's ability. So when the ship is given an explore action, you can swap a treasure on the Wild Island for crew and any friendly ship. That is um, one of the most powerful and OP, overpowered, and game-breaking abilities in the game. It's way worse on Captain Jack Sparrow from the Caribbean set on a crew, because you can put him on the high bang for just dominance. Um, But the Rising Sun as a ship... It's actually pretty decent as, I guess, a hybrid with maybe Captain Helmsman Explorer and then try to try to um, abuse the ability and uh, anger your opponent with it. But that being said, though, for the gimmick, you're much better off just going with Captain Jack Sparrow on a, on a better gold runner. Yeah, Rising Sun, I would say, is kind of... It's basically the high-paying Captain Jack Sparrow strategy for people who don't want to use the high-paying Captain Jack Sparrow strategy. Yeah. Um, I would use Rising Sun. Again, this seems like the perfect opportunity to stack up gold bonus crew, you know, a plus one, a plus two, and a silver explorer, and then, you know, just put silver in play, and uh, a helmsman, captain, no, no, helmsman, the, uh, a helmsman, oarsman, and explorer on the Rising Sun, and then you can just... You can basically just feed the gold or silver, I guess, one coin at a time back to your home island, yep. and you'll be getting like plus four per time yep. uh, bonuses on it. So yeah, that's a lot like uh, that's basically Garen's UPS four fleet with a different mm-hmm. silver crane. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So Rising Sun is another option for that. I might do that. Uh, no, I don't think I'll do that with my play group because kind of casual, but. If I do, I'll tell them, look, I lose this. Don't consider me the winner because I'm just being uh, I'm being that guy. <laughs> All right. After Rising Sun comes Siren Song. This is 12 points, 3 cargo, 2S, 2L, 2S guns, SS move, and then Home Island rating, which is really strange. 
So, uh, Siren's Song would be a really good ship if she had four cargo, but she yeah. doesn't, so she's kind of not quite there. Yeah, she's kind of in the middle. She can't decide what she wants to be. She actually reminds me of the Rising Sun. I used to get these confused because they're right next to each other. They're sister ships, meaning they're the same ship type from the same faction from the same set. Um, they both have, you know, speed, cargo. Almost everything is very similar, just different treasure-based abilities. Um, Siren's Song is just a better gunship, but a little disappointing. Um, yet another ship that has home island rating, but not enough cargo to really pull it off effectively. So a bit disappointing, but not a bad ship, really. So. Um, the next one I don't like, HMS Merlin, is an English three-master. Only nine points, but she's only got two cargo, L only L move. All three cannons are 3S, and crew of any nationality can use their abilities on this ship. But um, with two cargo and only nine points to fill up, there's not much you can do with that. Uh, the English already have a bunch of good crew, and pretty much need a Captain Helmsman just to make her, a, I don't know, just kind of a boring average gunship. And uh, the artwork is a little funky, just kind of a dark blue. Um, it all kind of just blends together with the sails and the hull. And as a huge fan of the English, I have to admit this is one of my least favorite English ships in the game, and I don't... I just don't like her at all. I think seven points would have been fine. Or six. Yeah, HMS Merlin. I am a big proponent of this ability. I think it's underrated. But HMS Merlin has two big problems. Um, a, her stats. Yeah, she's cheap. But all of her stats are really nothing special. And this ability is at its best on a big ship when you can go really crazy with crew. Yeah. Um, depending on whether you want to, you know, accentuate really big strengths or not, or just kind of well round, round a ship out well with, uh, with a bunch of things to pad the weaknesses of a ship. This ship doesn't really have any strengths nah. aside from being sort of cheap and having passive armament. Merlin is a ship that, that you want to be good, but just isn't. Yeah. San Esteban comes afterward. Uh, another three-masted square rig ship, also nine points. Three cargo space instead of Merlin's two. SS move instead of Merlin's L. Three L, three S, three S guns. And then treasure trading ability. Kind of useless, but... Uh, well, a useless ability, but I think a passable uh, support gunship, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I agree. This one is not really anything special... The 3L at the bow is kind of cool. Um, the gallery picture is wrong, but um, yeah, the ability, I don't like it all. Pretty useless. Uh, it's better than the Merlin, at least. Um, I do have a story to tell with this one, which <laughs> I absolutely love. This is one of the luckiest ships in my collection. It's like a hero ship, despite being like, um, like average and mediocre. Um, in my Economy Edition campaign game in 2015, she was part of a... Franco-Spanish squadron, the French and the Spanish were allied permanently in that game, and uh, the ship shot like 8 for 9 with average 50% firepower to like beat off um, a cursed attack. I think she killed a giant crab, I want to say, and then uh, she somehow managed to escape through a whirlpool after this devastating like cursed sea monster squadron like wiped out almost the entire Franco-Spanish squadron. So the curse threw like two or 300 points worth of stuff, including like the Loki's Revenge and a bunch of sea monsters. San Esteban like survived and like returned home. 
and uh, uh, it's just bizarre and like epic. It's like one of the weirdest things that's ever happened to me in a game. So, and that was the same game where the Black Mamba was the opposite and went like over six with six ones, to, like this master stuff. Uh, it's crazy. So it was like a tale of two opposites with both extremely like average ships doing extraordinary and like horrible things. So. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, just one of my favorite stories from my games. Uh, and the next one is the Jaguar. It's a French three master. It's only eight points. Uh, three cargo, L move. Cannons are good. 2S, 3S, 2S. And once per turn, the ship can move S after unloading cargo. You're probably not going to use that um, if it, very much, if at all. But this one is actually good as a budget gunship. She reminds me of the Tirador from Spanish Main, which was eight points in its gunship. Um, so this one I would do Captain and Helmsman and just take advantage of the cheap firepower. That's pretty basic, but there's not much reason to do much else with this. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm curious about asking is, does the use of Parley count as unloading cargo? Um... I would say probably not, but I'd have to look it up. I'll look it up right now and see if there's an answer. Okay, yeah, if there's no answer, then we have a uh, question for Wolf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jaguar, I agree with you. This is... This is a... uh, It's a ship with a misleading ability. It's a... It's a pretty simple support gunship. It's pretty big for its size and reasonably well-armed for its cost. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, it's nothing super exciting. Um, Saratoga is the next one. Uh, This is like the... What, this is like the fourth version of Saratoga? They started showing up, yeah, Saratoga first showed up in Revolution, and then I'm pretty sure there's one in Davy Jones' Curse, and in Ocean's Edge. I think three, I think, I believe. Yeah, yeah, there's at least three versions of Saratoga. Anyway, this version is uh, a three-master, 11 points, all three L-guns, two cargo S-move if this ship has crew of the captain keyword, she gets plus L to her base move. I mean, you're probably going to use her as a gunship anyway, so you're going to be putting a captain on her. So I guess you could say she's going to come in with one cargo SL move. Uh, I guess from there, do you put Brent Rice aboard or do you do a helmsman? She's a, I think she's a little bit expensive. Yeah, I think so too, but I would do a helmsman. I actually think this is like one of the weirdest, like under the radar, one of the most underrated, like mid sized gunships in the game. Because for 16 points, you can move SLS with a Captain Helmsman with three 3L shots. So it's a pretty solid deal. Um, biggest problem is if you get boarded a lot, uh, your speed's going to go down really fast to a tiny, you know, bare minimum. So it, it's a bizarre ship where she starts out at S and then turns blazing fast with the right crew setup. So I would definitely mm-hmm. do a Helmsman, especially because if you just do a Captain, uh, if you lose one boarding party, she's probably pretty much done for the game. Um, but I think this Saratoga is actually decent. The other two versions are, are pretty decent as well. So it's actually, all three are usable and viable, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I would say this version of Saratoga, and I'd say she's probably best for just picking on cheap gold runners that people uh, that people field. The cost-effective ones like Le Intrepide or, um, bon or Banshee's Cry, yeah, or Bon Marine. She's great for killing... Off gun, sh- uh, off gold runners that people felt. Oh, I can, I can skip out on them on spending a lot of points. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After uh, Saratoga, wait. Yeah. I think, wait, whose yeah, turn is it? Yeah, I think it's mine. I think. Yeah. Okay. Jaguar, yeah. 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 The artist's turn. He was 
It was from the Facebook group, the viewer on YouTube Live, and I'll try to put a uh, link to that. We've got almost 130 members of the Facebook group, and we're both on there. So if you haven't checked that out, I'll uh, try to remember to put a link in the description of the podcast mm-hmm. and whatnot. So it's a pretty cool thing. Um, the Belladonna is the next ship. It's a pirate three-masted schooner, and we're into the common ships now. So it's a common rarity, 15 points. Um but you'll see why. It's got four cargo, L-move, all three cans are 2S, so quite accurate. And along with the schooner keyword, it, it can dock at an enemy home island and take as much treasure as it can carry. If able, the ship must leave on your next turn. So it's got the Grim the Savage ability, which is pretty awesome. This one is unique in the fact that, in my opinion, there's only one good crew setup, and I think that's Hammersmith from Fire and Steel. He combines mm-hmm. Captain and Helmsman with one cargo space, just like Thomas Gunn, and then probably an oarsman too, because it doesn't take up space and you want to protect Hammersmith. So in that case, you'd have LS speed with three cargo open for 21 points with the oarsman with solid cannons, and then you can take up to three coins with the dock enemy home island. So, I mean, it's, kind, is, of, it's kind of fragile, but I think that's a pretty solid combo for home island rating. This is a case where I would really say consider putting Gentleman Jocard on. Yeah. Because you're only going to be able to make this gimmick work once, maybe twice. Mm-hmm. So why not hit your enemy's home island as hard as possible mm-hmm. that first time? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, with uh, with Jokard, Hammersmith, and an Oarsman, you're coming in at 24 points for one three-masted ship. Mm-hmm. But you've got a ship that's reasonably quick. It's going to decimate their gold count, and you can cause some damage and defend yourself at the yeah. same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think she's probably a little bit expensive, uh-huh. yeah. as weird as that sounds. Um, if she had five cargo, she'd be better worth it. Um, or if she were like 13, 12 or 13 points. Yeah. Um, as is, it feels like she's a, she's good, but she's also kind of a lot to spend on one three-masted ship. Yeah, and actually, uh, she's actually wicked similar to the Wicked Wench from the last set review. Because yeah. cost cargo, um, basically three 2S guns versus four 3Ls. So, pretty similar. But yeah. Yeah. Um, Wicked Wench has. Does Wicked Wench have uh, three cargo or four? Four. Yep. Four. And four. is it the same take as much as you can carry yeah. ability? Yeah, same ability. Yep. Very hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. We yeah, might just, have to compare those. Yeah, it's just durability versus accuracy for the most part. So. Yeah, you do get, well, yeah, um, durability and range versus accuracy and maneuverability because yeah, uh, Schooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, after Belladonna comes, uh, I want to say Mercure, mm-hmm. Mercure, um, another three-masted Schooner. This one's French, 13 points, three cargo, SS move, three L2S, three L guns, um, Schooner, of course, and S-board. Um the armament is decent. The cargo space is not adequate to make her stand out. And the French have so many S borders that I think they don't need the ability on any ships, period. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think it's a decent ship, but she would be really interesting at like 11 points um, or with four yeah. or five cargo. So something like yeah. the day charge, whatever. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, yeah day charge or however you <laughs> That. Yeah, uh, like yeah, that one is far better for the same cost, for example. So, um, this ship is still solid, though. Um, yeah, I think between S boarding and the cannons, she's she's a pretty viable option. But 
Um, he's decent, but she's got good. a lot of competition even in this yeah. set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and she this is another good artwork one. I like I like a lot of the yeah. artwork on the ship. Very this pretty. Set, so yeah, um, she's no gold eagle though, which is even worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, you'd think it'd be better based on the name, but uh, this is an American, another three masted schooner. This is for the Americans. Uh, Fifteen points, three cargo, L move, all three L cannons. And along with Schooner, it has reverse captain, so after the ship resolves the shoot action, she can move as a free action. Um, this is just another case of uh, reverse captain being overpriced. Uh, should be maybe 10 points, and uh, that's about it. I don't like her. Yeah, Gold Eagle is an example of why I say American ships don't get any cheaper as they get smaller. Because you can get American four-masted schooners for considerably less that are better ships. You know, um, yeah, Gold Eagle is, yeah, okay, decently armed, but far too expensive, not fast. Yeah. yeah I think, just not... I, I personally, this is more of a thread topic, um, but I think American schooners are one of the best examples of power, or the reverse power creep in the whole game. They had a ton yeah. of great three and four massive schooners in the first handful of sets, and then they had horrible ones, you know, remember Aura, USS Oregon, like such a joke. Yeah. And then this and uh, some of the other ones, just, it's kind of sad, but oh well. Was, was Oregon the one that <laughs> had the misprint with the yeah. mirrored, yeah, yeah, the mirrored name on the other side? Yeah, How do you what, say Oregon backwards? Because I feel like we should refer uh, to yeah. that ship. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Wait, o Oregon, no, uh, no Garon? Yeah, something like that. No, wait, no Garo? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, okay, the Nogero is a no-go. Um, actually, Nogero, that's funny, because that rhymes with Black Arrow, which is the next ship. Yeah. That was not a deliberate segue, actually. Nice. But, um, no, seriously, that was not on purpose. I only just realized that. Uh, Black Arrow is a weird one. This is a 12.2-masted schooner pirate. Three cargo, SS move, two 3S guns. This ship cannot be shot at by ships with an S of her. So statistically, she's super average, but then comes along with this really great defensive ability. I'm, yeah, I'm slightly weirded out by Black Arrow because she's expensive and statistically not great, but also not super weak and has a really great ability. Yeah. I think she's probably got some potential that's not really been explored much. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, She's like an expensive pest of sorts. Um, yeah. The best thing, the schooner can help get with an S of a ship because then you get the stern turn to, to get with an S of an enemy ship, maybe. Um, I've used her mostly only in the campaign games. I believe the Sister's Rage is just better for one last point. Um, yeah. You've got one more cargo. But but that being said, the Black Arrow is still, still a decent ship. Just kind of uh, yeah, a pricey pest, I guess. It's PP. Um, the next one. I can't pronounce the next one. Um, I have no idea, but anyway, um, this one is a French two-masted schooner. It's another common. Uh, nine points, four cargo, L move. Cannons are three L, three L. Along with the schooner keyword, it says when the ship carries no cargo, she gets plus S to her base move. So I know you don't like those a lot. I think they're actually kind of underrated. So you'd go out at LS, get four coins, come back at L. So not a great deal, but you could also turn her into a hybrid, I guess, with a captain and helmsman, but then you lose the ability. So it's kind of like either you utilize the ability and risk going really slow on the return trip or 
you kind of waste point like one or two points on the ability and uh, try to do a hybrid, but it's not great. But I don't think this is a terrible ship. She's not a terrible ship, um, but my problem is I think she is still too expensive because no matter what you build her for, you're sacrificing her ability to function as the opposite thing. Because if you decide, okay, I'm going to make her a gold runner, okay, yeah, then she's going to move out at LS, uh, has four cargo, she's only nine points, okay, she's not as, you know, she's not like the greatest French gold runner, but she's still a decent empty gold runner choice, but you're spending nine points and you're getting a couple 3L guns that you want to use, whereas if you go, okay, I'm going to put a caption on this, make her a hybrid or a, a support gunship, you're losing out on the plus S to base move from the ability, so you have to put a helmsman aboard, so you're going to spend five points on a nine-point ship, so at at 14 points, you're not getting good value when you uh, when you build her as a gunship or a hybrid. Yeah. It so good artwork, too. Kind of wacky. I think if... I think if she was seven, she'd be exceptional. And yeah, she's very pretty. Yeah, kind of like the Mercure. Very similar artwork, actually. Yeah, but do you know what I mean when I say this should be a seven-point ship? Because then you can at least bend it to be what you want, like, respectively. Yeah, Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yep. Yep. All right, after Glaive, or Glaive, comes Fly, which, or maybe Flea, or no, Fly, I think. A really strange ship. Um, this is an American schooner, two masts for nine points. Uh, the masts are two S and three S three cargo SS move. This ship can't be pinned. I don't quite know the point of this. I guess it's supposed to be a support gunship, but, uh, kind of proving my, uh, my point of view that Americans don't really have many good small ships. Yeah. Um, uh, it's basically just a four man's version of the peacock from revolution. Cause that yeah. ship is, Exactly the same, except it's SSS. So this is just a worse ship. It's just a direct downgrade that proves, once again, the American schooner has proved the reverse power creep may be better than any other ship, you know, class in the game. So yeah. the fly, that being said, the fly's not awful either, but there's no real reason not to use the peacock. Actually, I think the peacock might have two cargo, but she's still a better support gunship, or even a better empty gold runner, actually, too. So anyway. Yeah. Um, um, you wouldn't want to put a needle through her sails because she might uh, not be able to go very fast. Uh, the needle is actually <laughs> the next one. It's a cursed two master, uh, ten points, two cargo, S speed, uh, just like the curse. Enjoy, unfortunately. Uh, both mm-hmm. cannons are three L, and it's a fog hopper. So if this ship uh, ends her turn in a fog bank on her next turn, she can use her move action to move out of any other fog bank in play. Uh, as fog hoppers go, though, this might be the worst. Um, or at least outside of a, a promo or two. Um, this one is just... No, I think this one is the worst, because I've yeah. looked at all the fog hoppers before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not very not very good. The speed just really holds it back. If it had... Man, you, you'd have to make a lot of changes to this. I think to be worth 10 points, it'd have to have maybe 3 or 4 cargo, and at least L move. The hangman's joke is 1 point more, and just way better. Yeah. The needle is terrible. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Cursed even have another ship named the Needle. Um, but one of the other things that's wrong with the Needle is, uh, I mean, you do kind of want to use her as a gold runner because like, she does have two cargo and she can move it pretty, uh, she can move it pretty securely. But nah, uh, 
I mean, I think she's probably best as an ambush, um, small, a small ambush gunship. Yeah. Um, Captain Helmsman, but even then she's not that great. Yeah. No, I've done exactly that in uh, multiple campaign games and she still disappoints. So she's yeah. taken, she's taken out of action so quickly and she doesn't have speed to like move between five banks very well either. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, Needle, I think every time I've looked at making a Foghopper fleet, she's like, okay, she's just not good enough because she can't really specialize as well as any of the other ships. Yeah, exactly. If you did put Needle in your fleet, you'd be very quickly, uh, you know, you'd be very quickly seeking out your copy of Hangman's Joke. <laughs> yeah, you saw what I did there because the next ship is Seeking. Um English point, uh, English ship this time, six points, which is a strange one, two cargo, L move, three S3L guns, and then the sniping ability. So double the range of the cannons and roll six to hit. This is comparable to HMS Marisman from Spanish Main. Yeah, good point. Yeah, very it, similar. She's almost the same. She's a little bit slower. She's L instead of SS. Um, and I think she gets a 3L gun instead of two 3S guns. Yep. Uh, probably not quite as good because you gain a tiny amount of range and lose some mobility. Yeah. Yeah. Mirrorsman is a little bit better. And even the Mirrorsman's not a great ship. I haven't had great success with either of these. Um, I've used them a little bit, but they're kind of just afterthoughts really for the most part. So kind of seems fun, but I don't know. For six points, you can't expect too much, especially from the English. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the Bazana is a little better. The Spanish two master, eight points, three cargo, SS move, both cannons are three S and L range cannons can't hit this ship. So not a bad ship. Um, I think there's a decent combo with like Master Bianco and his haulers in here. Kind of similar to the Pescados de Plata from uh, Spanish Main actually a little bit. Um, I don't know, it's kinda of hard to know what to do with her, but she's not a good gold runner or a good gunship, so You've got solid speed, cargo, uh, passable firepower, and a nice ability, but package is a little disappointing at the end of the day. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Underwhelming package here, and I would say maybe partially redeemable by use of one of the Spanish-named crew from this set, um, which we'll get to later, which I think is one of the best Spanish-named crew, actually one of the best-named crew, period. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about that crew later. After Bazana comes Saber, which is a 9.2 masted French. Wait, okay. For some reason, somebody has uploaded a picture of a ship with a Spanish flag and it says this is French. I'm pretty sure it is French. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's really strange, though, to see that. It's like, it says France in the database. Picture is a Spanish flag. Um, the Sabre, two-masted ship, nine points, two S-guns, both of them. L-cargo, or no, L-move, three cargo, and then plus one of boarding rolls. So she wants to be a warship, but she's a little too expensive and not quite fast enough to be a decent two-masted support ship. Yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of a bunch of other boring two masters. The James Madison from OE comes to mind, although that one's even worse. Um, yeah, it's it's all right, but just not very good. Um, at seven mm-hmm. points, she'd be pretty attractive, but at nine, not really. 
Uh, yeah. The next one is the Argo, and uh, this is an American Two Master, nine points, three cargo. Base move is LS, and then the cannons are 4L, 4L, and this ship ignores train when she's give, given a move action. So this one I mostly use as an empty gold runner. She does okay in that role. Um, there's just not much point in putting crew aboard. Maybe a helmsman. Uh, you could use her as a scout ship in a in a big campaign game. I think I did that a little bit in Classic Campaign Game 3, but she's not really great at anything, so she kind of falls by the wayside, kind of forgotten about. Yeah, she's... As an empty gold runner, she absolutely falls short of, like, even other ships within this set, like Glaive. Mm-hmm. Um and then you start to look at the Americans' other gold runner options, like Carolina, I think it was, from Revolution. Yeah. Um, significantly better because she's slightly slower, but she's bigger, I think better armed, and has more cargo space, and she's cheaper. Uh, doesn't have an ability. Argo, um, and obviously Argo's not a gunship, I think she's probably best if you have a cargo master in play because then you at least have four cargo space to work with, a decent move, and then an ability that might be relevant. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, After Argo comes Hancock, which is named for John Hancock. I think the first guy to sign the Declaration of Independence. I'm sure most people know that. I'm guessing our audience is primarily American. Um... 11 points, two masts, both of which are 2S, base move L, cargo space 3. The first successful shot against a sea creature removes two segments instead of one. I mean, the guns are good, but the ability is really terrible. Like, this ability should be free. It just... Sorry, this ability should be free, and this ship should be, I say, 7 points. Yeah, seven at the most. Star, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like I'm pretty sure it's the only time this ability showed up in the game, um, but it's not. It's extremely situational. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of a novelty small gunship. But I guess other than the looks and just to say you use this ability if you could use it, um, there's no real reason other than those users. So pretty boring. Yep. I'd rather have a peacock once again from Revolution. Uh, the yep. next one is. Actually, a real star for the curse. It's the Grim Reaper, which is a three point, uh, three, not three point, three master. Three points, I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> and she's crying, no. Uh, three master for the curse, 12 points. Uh, four cargo, SS move. Uh, all three cannons are 2S, and this ship gets plus one to her boarding rolls. So you can see it's pretty well balanced. I think this is one of the better cursed hybrids. The grinder for the same cost is definitely better as a turbine, um, but the Grim Reaper is great. Probably Captain Helmsman, maybe Oarsman. You could definitely experiment with named crew. Even Phantasma from this same set we saw earlier would be a decent choice. Um, but yeah, you've got good firepower, solid cargo, better speed than a lot of the cursed remastered ships, and then an ability that's pretty good for being a hybrid too, because you could try to uh, take gold from enemy treasure ships. So, a very balanced ship for the cursed. It looks like it looks like a French ship, I guess. Not Aesthetically, sort of. like stats-wise, yeah. So, yeah. So the, for the curse, they get a real boon here for them. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think this is kind of. I've actually used Grim Reaper. She uh, she was in a battle group with Grinder, mm-hmm. but Grim Reaper is a very well-rounded three master, um, and 
I think she's really pretty good, even outside the context of the curse. Like, if this existed for the English, we would say, yeah, she's really good, maybe not as good as Oxford or London, but we would still absolutely give her credit for being a solid ship. Um, I think no matter what faction she's a part of. And the fact that she's in the curse just means that she's one of their best, uh, one of their best ships overall, I think. Yeah. After the Grim Reaper comes another one that's, it's almost as good, but it's not quite because you do lose out in some departments for minor gains. Uh, Crushed Skull is another three master from the cursed. 14 points, so more expensive. Two cargo, so not as well equipped there. El move, so slower. This ship also has all rank two guns. Uh, she gets a 2L in the middle. Uh, surrounded by 2S, so slightly better. And she gets Ghost Ship, which is not actually that good. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I want her to be good, but Ghost Ship is a nearly useless ability. Um, appallingly overpriced. This ship would be kind of eh at 10 points. Yeah, that I, should be pretty good there. Yeah. yeah, actually at 9 points, I'd say this would be pretty compelling. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah. yeah, Crushed Skull is kind of like the, I don't know, it's sister ship with the Grim Reaper. Um, same ship from the same set, same type. But yeah, she pales in comparison because the Grim Reaper can kind of play a lot of roles versus the Crushed Skull is basically just a pricey gunship. So Captain Helmsman, maybe an Oarsman. Um, you've got pretty good firepower, but you can get that with the Grim Reaper as well. So the Crushed Skull, not a... Not a terrible option considering the cursed woes, but uh, but the Grim Reaper kind of destroys her because she's right before her in the set, so the comparison is mm-hmm. just inevitable. So it's a cool name, cool idea with Ghost Ship, good, kind of a cool looking ship, but not quite, not quite too effective. Um, next one is HMS Pride, which is an English ship, three master, ten points, three cargo, L move, all cannons are three L and. Uh, got the reroll ability, so once per turn you can reroll any die roll you make for the ship. And this one I find pretty boring. The English, I don't know, I mean, 10 points we know about HMS Nautilus, HMS Dover. So the Pride, I don't know, she just bores me. The reroll is decent for the Fleet Admiral crew, but but in that case you wouldn't be able to fit a Captain and a Helmsman because they'd come to 11. So I don't know, there's just, it's not too inspiring. It's not a bad ship, but it's really not very exciting or worth using either. Yeah, she's not super exciting, but I would argue that in the context of other factions, um, say, if this was a cursed ship, I think you'd be saying a lot of good things about it. Or if it were French or maybe even pirate, I mean, they have better options at 10 points. But if you gave this to one of the less well-equipped factions, the Americans, the French, or the curse, this would probably be kind of um, be kind of an underrated ship among them, wouldn't you say? I think for the cursed, yeah, but for the American, not as much. So well, the Americans are kind of missing decent mid-priced ships, you know. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I'd rather Hudson, two points more, much better gunship, for example. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, next up is Ventura, which is a three-masted Spanish ship. This one's nine points. Five cargo, S move, 4S, 2S, 4S guns, and once per turn, the ship can look at a face-down cargo on any ship. Uh, this, to me, looks like just throw a helmsman aboard. Yeah. It's a really weird one because yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, and the the masts like oh, the artwork okay. is weird because they <laughs> alternate between yellow and red. Yeah. The stats are weird because they alternate between good and terrible. Because <laughs> because point cost good, cargo space good, base yeah. move bad, cannons yeah. good like they're bad, good, bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The ship is just all over the place. I think it's funny in that regard. Um, I think it's kind of like a comedy ship. It's another like circus. it looks like one too. Yeah, exactly. It's like another circus ship, and it's got like these weird like crosses on the sails. But then, yeah, the sails are like garish and bright colors, and then the hull is like really boring and like brown. So it's just it's almost like they tried to make a ship of like opposites at every turn possible, and they ended up with something that's pretty bad. Um, it's it's pretty funny. Um, it's, it's actually not too too horrible. Because you've got a 2S cannon, you've got a lot of cargo, like you said, with a helmsman. She could run gold and be reasonably durable. Uh, the spying ability has some decent value, so it's actually not too, too bad of a ship. But um, it's really just bizarre and just all over the place to the extreme. So I really yeah. like that ship. <laughs> yeah, I'd say Ventura is probably... And she's weird, but... Uh, despite having so many weaknesses, I don't think she's bad. She's not like super amazing, but she's not bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next one is the Aqualon. That's how I say it. But anyway, uh, Aquilon, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm just being, I'm just being bothersome. Yeah, no, it's good. No, I'd rather have the right one. I just have no idea. Uh, it's a French three master, 11 points, two cargo SS move. Cannons are three S, two S, three S. And the ship gets plus one to reporting rolls. Plus one to rear cannons against sea creatures, uh, like the Congress. But this one is not as good as the Congress, because we've got low cargo. Cannons are just barely better than average with the, with the 1-2-S in the middle. This one does not does not excite me at all. The artwork is solid, as usual, for the French, but it's not a good ship for gameplay. Yeah, this is... She's pretty, but her stats are really not particularly good anywhere. The ability doesn't really fit her stats, um, and she's got, like, slightly above average armament, average move, um, subpar cargo space, and not a competitive price. She's just kind of nowhere. Yeah. Um, after her in the set is Lady Washington, which is an American ship. I don't think you're expecting anything else with a name like that. She's eight points and three masts, three cargo space, L move. Her guns are 2S, 3S, 4S. And then when touching a pirate ship, this ship can load as much of that ship's treasure she can carry. Um, that ability is uh, go away. Like, uh, that ability is dumb, and they shouldn't have given this ship that ability. Um, aside from that, I'm sort of vaguely tempted to say she might make she might make a support gunship, but not a particularly good one. Yeah. Yeah, I think she's a little bit underrated for firepower, but she's still not that effective of a ship. Um, I will say, I don't know, I've, this is jogging my memory right now. I don't know if this is on purpose or not from WizKids, but the Lady Washington replica from real life is a two-masted brig that played HMS Interceptor from Curse of the Black Pearl. So I'm not sure if this Lady Washington is, if the name is from that or not. I mean, it could be a lot of things, of course, but it's kind of an interesting little, little tie-in 
um, little trivia for POTC fans, but, and it's got a pirate based ability, so it, it is interesting, but as is though, um, the cheap firepower is really the only calling card here, everything else, I don't know, there's no other roles really, so this yeah. one, I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of weirdly ugly too, I don't really like the pinstripes on sales person, but anyway, um, alright, now we're into the crew, so we're into the common crew, first one, uh, how do you pronounce it again? Uh, Devereaux. Okay, Devereaux. So this is, I guess, the third time we've seen him. Um, this is not one of his better versions. Yeah, he's cursed here, just like from Davy Jones' Kurtz. Uh, five points. He's got Hostile Pirate and Loyal Curse. And then he's got Rolando's ability. So once per turn, if the ship is touching another ship, we all treasure board the other ship. The ship can take as much unique treasure from the other ship as she can carry, even those that otherwise can't be removed. So... I think that's only worth two or three, so I don't, I, I haven't used them yet, I don't think. So, and the other versions are quite this bad, so this one's gonna really struggle with the usage, even though he's easily found. Yeah, Devereaux, I mean, his, uh, his version from Revolution is like really pretty good. Um, I, l I sort of like the idea of this ability because it seems like an anti cheesing setup. But you kind of have to know that your opponent is going to try to game you with uh, a flood of unique treasures. Yeah. So outside of that, he's next to useless, and he has other really good variants. I think his microtech um, story is like one of the most interesting, but that doesn't translate yeah. to good abilities at all. <laughs> yeah, I need to make progress on the canon wiki at some point, but mm -hmm. I... You know, my life has gotten really busy now that I'm working full time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure how soon I'll be able to make progress on that project. Yeah. No, that's fine. I got my own wiki project that I might never get done. So whatever. Yeah. Um, next up is Calico Cat. Now this is a three point version of Calico Cat. She's really squinty in this one, and uh, among other adjectives. Um, which I don't think are all that appropriate to say on the podcast, but um, but if you care to know, open up her uh, open up her page and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, her ability is loyal pirate once per turn before you give the ship an action roll a d6. Uh, okay, so it's same action twice, but the funny thing is she was printed at five points, um, even though technically uh, I think like the. Uh, Wolf, I guess, has said she should have been three or something. Yeah, it's official yeah. errata. So she's basically, yeah. except for the loyal, she's just a clone of her original Spanish main version, which is kind of disappointing for such a legendary crew in the game. But that being said, I guess it kind of gives people who don't have access to Spanish main, you know, a common version of that same crew, essentially. So, and, it, and obviously, yeah. fantastic ability for the best faction. So. Still a great crew, um, kind of a fun novelty, but um, just a clone in the end. Um, mm -hmm. uh, the next one is another crew we've seen. The Inquisitor is back. He's Spanish again, six points. Here he has Hostile Curse, Loyal Spain. And you might remember he had Black Mark in uh, Davy Jones' Curse. But he still has Massacre ability, so if this ship succeeds at a boarding party, she can eliminate all the other ship's crew. Um, just by virtue of being cheaper, he might be better than the original version. This is pretty much another clone, almost, but it's just a complete flip-flop, because his previous version allows him on Cursed, or he allows Cursed ship, Cursed crew to be on Spanish ships, which I actually did with the Cristal Del Obispo in, a, in an interesting fleet. 
but now he's hostile cursed, so he's flip-flopped and um, not quite as intimidating, I guess, from the picture, but just kind of overpriced, really. He's found God. Yeah, he, he just, I don't think any version of the Inquisitor is particularly good. Yeah. I mean, the Black Mark thing has some interesting uses, but uh, this is not the Black Mark version. This is what we've basically agreed to be a too expensive version of, uh, it's it's too much to pay for the ability. Yeah. It's it's five points at the most, possibly four points. Yeah. Next up is the I think second version of Trevor Van Tyne, and he's really interesting because he is two points, hostile curse, loyal England, and he's a musketeer. So he's basically the price that we kind of agree musketeers should have always been. Yeah. And in addition to that, uh, being I guess you can say the single best musketeer in the game. He has a really important link, um, which I I think I'd like to talk about as part of the Trevor Van Tine thing. Yep, go ahead. He is linked to the next crew, Hermione Gold, which is also a Captain Helmsman combo in one crew. So in other words, if you put them on the same ship for seven points, you can have a Captain Helmsman and a musketeer for one cargo space and seven points. Separately, those are three cargo spaces and eight points. Yeah. So if you want to combine them, the English do it better than anyone, and Hermione Gold is good competition for Thomas Gunn. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a really cool combo. It works on a wide variety of English ships. You can help them be hybrids while still getting the extra cannoneer firepower. Um, so both, both great crew, especially Hermione Gold. Um, kind of random things on the artwork. Hermione Gold looks like she's got... I don't know if it's like a turtleneck. I don't know. I've always been confused by her artwork because it looks like she's wearing some kind of neck shield or something. But I don't know if it's just the shadow, but it looks weird. Um, anyway. It does look like a turtleneck. <laughs> oh, but it's like skin tight. I don't know. Anyway, and then yeah. Trevor Van Tyne has two pistols. He looks cool. Almost like a Wild West, like steampunk type thing. I don't know. It looks like Trevor yeah, Van Tyne looks like he's like out of place for like a like a movie poster or something <laughs> like a modern movie poster. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, he wouldn't, he wouldn't look too far out of place, say in an Indiana Jones film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trevor Van Tyne does have a complete page on the Canon wiki though. Nice. Um, I guess basically how, uh, the way I figured out Trevor Van Tyne is I think he is a, a, uh, a super romantic type because first he uh, fell head over heels from, uh, I think it was, uh, what was her name? Uh, she was a, a French Godiva. Zero LR crew. Yeah, Godiva. First, he was head over heels for Godiva, and then something happened to Godiva, and now he's head over heels for Hermione Gold. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's just this funny kind of badass guy who keeps falling for female pirates. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. okay, I'm gonna talk about Ralph David and then Good plan. Room. Um, mm-hmm. This guy is American. He's only one point, and he's got Hostile Pirate and Eternal. So this is a really interesting crew for the Americans. A very good one. Um, the hostility keeps his cost low, even though he should still cost two or three. I think Eternal maybe is worth three. Um, but this is here. The Americans get it for one on a crew, which is just ridiculous and extremely unique. Um, and that just makes the Americans even better because they've got a lot of good ships to put them on. The Constitution, the Kettering, um, 
the Mercury submarine, for example. Um, mm-hmm. David is a very good crew for optimal American gunship setups. So highly mm-hmm. recommended for American players. Mm-hmm. Um, Ralph David is actually, funny enough, one of two crew that give the Americans the eternal ability basically on its own. He's one of their very few standout, unique ability crew and kind of helps to preserve the Americans' relevance as a faction, along with the cargo master they later got in Savage Shores. Um, after Ralph David is Marrow, which is two points. It's this kind of fish-faced looking character. It's really strange. Um, actually, when Ben gets back, I'm going to ask him to make the sound that Marrow looks like it's making. Um, I'll make that sound when he gets back. But Marrow is two points loyal cursed. If a crew on the ship with a point cost of four or less would be eliminated, eliminate this crew instead. Um, I believe it links to Tidal Fiends or something, which we can find elsewhere in here. Uh, they're both really terrible crew. They're just a clone of Leannon Park from Caribbean, which we agreed are pointless because there's such a thing as an oarsman. So Marrow is totally useless. Um, I'm going to start on Crimson Angel. Now, this version of Crimson Angel is kind of a strange one because she's just three points and crew of any nationality can use their abilities on this ship. I'm pretty sure this ability was made available elsewhere for the pirates, but the fact that this ability exists as a crew means they have a ton of flexibility when it comes to doing really crazy setups on bigger or more expensive ships because of Obviously, it allows you access to the best crew of every single faction. Now, I'm going to go back, and uh, now that it sounds like Ben is back, yeah, um, I have a uh, I have a game for you. I already talked about Marrow and how it's basically the Leanne Park situation, totally <laughs> useless. Yeah. Um, can you make the sound that Marrow <laughs> is making in its picture? Yeah, me. Um, I, I got two ideas. In my head, but okay, I would both. Say like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what I'll try. I thought of that either, either that or a high pitch, but I don't think high pitch. It looks too big for that, so it, it does look pretty big. But uh, I, my idea for high pitch was something like yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. yeah. Marrow is a nasty little thing, and I was talking about Crimson Angel. Um, are there any other pirate crew with her exact ability? I can't quite remember. Uh... Darn, that's a good question. I want to say yeah, but I'm not sure about the three-pointers. I'll try to look it up if I get a chance here. Um, the next okay. version of her in the same set is similar, but not quite. Yes, similar in many ways better. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I'll start Dominic Freda as well, just for well, the heck of it. Mm-hmm. Dominic Freda is, I think, one of the most important Spanish crew out there. Uh, I think he's really, really good. Dominic Freda is four points. He's an explorer, and his abilities, this ship gets plus one cargo spaces. This crew takes up no cargo space. In other words, he can make almost any ship out there into a gold runner because he adds space, but he's also an explorer. I th- I think he's incredibly useful for all Spanish gunships because if you have four cargo and you don't want to sacrifice any space but you want to make your ship faster you can do dominic freda and a helmsman so you get an explorer and you get a a helmsman but at no cost to cargo yeah 
yes, this wicked good crew. Yeah. Um, any Spanish players need to get Dominic Frida here. And it's, yeah. he's great because um, the LE version, which you don't want to pay $20 for, is also four points and the same um, the same picture. So you can easily, it's one of the best proxy, you know, chances in the game. And this is a common from a relatively common set. So you could e- use either version. So Spanish players, uh, Dominic Frida is really essential, honestly. So both yeah. are fantastic. Um, he's absolutely a must have. Yeah. Um, and actually, I looked it up. Anna Maria from Caribbean has... Oh, you're uh, right, you're right. Yes, for three points. Same as Crimson Angels, so... Yeah. Um, okay, the next one is Griffin, but the common version. So this is English, five points. S-boarding, um, which we've gone over a bunch. Uh, probably worth three or four. Definitely not five. And uh, we're going to see a, a version that's so much better later that I don't really have anything else to yeah. say. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about that when we come to it. Um, this version of Griffin, I'd say comparable to, say, all your French S-board crew, is in some ways better because the English don't have as many. Maybe. Um, uh, but the, the French ones are usually captain with S-board for seven, so it's like yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, okay, I think maybe it's more fair to say this version of Griffin has its uses, but is... Definitely a flawed crew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that is Capitaine Erezur, who is actually a pretty important crew for France. He is – actually, he's got some pretty, like, smooth artwork compared to some of the washed-out stuff we've seen for other portraits in this set. Uh, Capitaine Erezur is six points. He's loyal France. He's a captain. And he has sack. Which yeah. – yeah, that's really important. You can do some really nasty stuff with Arazur. Yeah, absolutely. And he's just a tiny bit worse than Arathiel from uh, Crimson Coast. I would say mm-hmm. these two French sack captains are sort of the forgotten sack captains, maybe because France isn't known for them as much. So it's easy to get mm-hmm. it mixed up because they both start with ARA for their names. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, but they're both pretty awesome. Even at six points, this is well worth uh, using. So. Um, mm-hmm. The next one is Gus Schultz, who's an American crew for two points, and he's got Eternal. So you'll notice very similar to uh, Ralph David up above, but since he's not Hostile Pirate, pays the full two points for Eternal, which is still a great deal. I think it's worth three. And uh, this is another all-star American crew. Um, the Americans kind of got an embarrassment of riches here with Eternal, because there's only three crew in the game with Eternal, and we saw Phantasma earlier, and the Americans got two of them for a total of three points. So it's just crazy how good that is. Um, and it makes the Americans a complete powerhouse in death matches, um, 100-point games, and things like that, and campaign games. Because like I said, they've got multiple ships canceling built in, along with the Kettering. They've got the Ghostwalker. They have a lot of awesome five masters. So Gus Schultz, along with Ralph David, just fantastic crew, arguably a must-have for American players. Yeah, I would say both of the Eternal crew are. Um, I talked about Ralph David after you're done. Um, because you've basically already talked about a near-identical crew, I'm going to let you start Voodoo Doll as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, so the, first the first of the Unique Treasures. Yeah, exactly. Um, number 064, so you can tell how small the set is. Um, yeah, uh, the and, ships, uh, uh, the normal pack ships, um, I've got my uh, little checklist out, only go up to 54. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty small. That definitely. Um, uh, okay, Only wait. a third of which are. Um, wait, okay, this is really strange, and yeah, it would explain true. why there's so many. Um, sorry, uh, 
backtrack real quick to ships. There are a total of 18 common ships in uh, Rise of the Fiends, 24 rares, and only 12 uncommons, which is really strange. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me that much, just because like, rares weren't as rare in this game as they are in other collectible games, which is kind of nice. Yeah. It makes you feel good when you open packs, even though it's a little bit deceiving. So, anyway, mm-hmm. um, Voodoo Doll is kind of a cool one, actually. It's a UT... Uh, at the beginning of each of your turns, choose a non-cursed enemy crew and roll a d6. At a result of 5 or 6, turn that crew face down. It can't use its abilities on its next turn. So it's kind of like a luck-based canceler that you get for free if you can pick it up. Um, doesn't affect cursed stuff, but um, this one is kind of cool, actually. I don't think it's as bad as the other faction-based crap that we're going to see soon. So <laughs> Voodoo yeah. is kind of, kind of an interesting novelty, which I've used... Uh, a few times reasonably effectively oh kind of a while ago but it's a decent yeah there are better ways to really mess with your opponents but voodoo doll is not a bad one if you're not facing uh an enemy that's using the cursed um the next one up is barrel o monkeys which funny enough has a reused piece of artwork from spanish maine i'm pretty sure yep. i i think this is the artwork for skyme the monkey yep. um when the ship leaves a wild island, randomly choose one of her treasures and put it face down on that island. When the ship touches another ship, randomly choose one of the ship's treasures and put it face down on the other ship. Eliminate the treasure instead if the other ship's cargo is full. So it's a mildly inconvenient, not particularly interesting, unique treasure. I don't really see all that much use for this. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of a weird novelty that I think... Um, I think the flavor text is more confusing than it needs to be. Um, Wolf actually designed this one, basically, so he started having a little bit of influence over some stuff in the later sets, so this is pretty much his idea, which is really cool that he's still in the community and uh, can talk about it and whatnot. So um, it was actually discovered recently in Vassal Campaign Game 4. It's kind of a kind of like a minor annoyance, but it's kind of kind of a funny... It's supposed to be kind of a funny comedic effect. And Wolf actually posted the flavor text on the forum too, which makes it a little more interesting. But that being said, still not one of my, still not a UT I like seeing um, at all. But the next one is um, maybe, I'm trying to think, this could be my least favorite UT in the whole game. Uh, Blood Money. Instead of loading Blood Money, put it face up on the wild island, then reveal all treasure on the island. Each time a ship loads a non-unique treasure from the island, eliminate a crew on that ship that has a point value equal to or greater than the value of that treasure. Eliminate blood money when there's no non-unique treasure on the island. Spanish ships are not affected by blood blood money. Um, So it's OP for Spanish players and extremely annoying. Uh, It takes a long time to read the text, obviously. Uh, it's, It's needlessly confusing, and I think it's one of the worst... Uh, UTs ever conceived. Yeah. Um, thinking about this, now that we've gotten to talking about Spain real quick, this is a really good set for Spain because they have a handful of, yeah, decent ships, and then like two really amazing crew, a really amazing ship, and yeah. then a UT that heavily favors them. Yeah, good point. I mean, I guess the Cursed and the English got some really good stuff, too. Yeah, they didn't, but the Spanish didn't get shafted in this that. that the Spanish different. almost got kind of favored in yeah. this set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Blood Money is... It's sort of like another one of those uh, game breakers. Yeah. Um, 
The next one is Cursed Natives. It's another one that Wolf did. I think he must have done, like, all of the UTs in this set because he's left a bunch of comments on it. Um uh, on the uh, on the UTs for this set, a curse natives is when revealed, roll a d6. On a result of one to three, eliminate the crew on the ship that has the lowest point value. On a four to six, eliminate the crew that has the highest point value. This ship can then load one more treasure only, then put curse natives face down on the island. This ship must leave the island on your next turn. Curse ships and crew are not affected by curse natives. So I guess it's sort of uh, sort of similar to bloody gold, but. It's for the cursed. So this is like a cursed in Spain favoring set overall then. Um, I sort of like this one, but I also sort of don't. It's kind of like the last one. It's like, eh, unless I'm using the faction that gets an advantage from it, I'm not going to touch it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like these faction biased uh, UTs. Unlike the mm-hmm. abilities you have to actually pay for. So not as bad as blood money, but I still don't. Still not really a fan of it. So, um Next up is a bunch of generic crew, which... Um, or, or actually, before we launch yeah. into those, um, Wolf has posted his full original suggestion for this crew as a comment on on Cursed Natives. Should we, re- uh, should yeah. we read that one off? Yeah, if you want All to. Right. His original suggestion was called Hostile Natives, and the ability was, when revealed, roll 2d6. Eliminate a crew on the ship with a point cost equal to the result of each die, or eliminate a single crew equal to the sum of both dice. Reroll until at least one crew is eliminated, if possible, then place Hostile Natives face down on the island. That's kind of interesting, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, uh, I've seen that before. So thanks for mentioning that. I'm not clicking on all the individual pages because I just have the extended view up. Yeah, yeah, I, I click on them individually. Um, I actually kind of wonder. I'm gonna click back up through these and see if there are any others where he uh, posts the original full proposal. Yeah. On the other ones like Blood Money and Barrel of Monk. Wait, uh, yeah, Blood Money. He says um, that his original proposal was added in as the LE version. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Same for uh, yeah, Death Doll as well. So yeah, Death Doll, Doll originally yeah. didn't have uh, the non-cursed restriction. So yep. Yep. Huh. And uh, yeah, and now you were gonna say about the unique uh, or the, uh, the oh generic yeah, group. Bar- Barrel of Monkeys. He actually posted the flavor text as a comment under that too. So if anybody wants to see that, you can click on Barrel of Monkeys to see it. Um, mm-hmm. But the generic crew. Uh, WizKids made a mistake here because they made some of the captains rare, which makes them way too difficult to acquire. And then some of them are uncommon, and uh, they should all just be generic and really easily found. So this created, um, this led to a lot of backlash from the players, which makes a lot of sense. I have no idea why they did it, honestly, Um, but it's just bizarre. So some of the and it even ran over into some of the helmsmen. I see the Spanish, and I do have some Spanish helmsmen from this set, and they do seem considerably more common than the English helmsmen from this set, which I may only have one or none of. So the rarities on the generic crew got messed up for this set, which just further kind of kind of further illustrates how some of the later sets led to the game's decline. So. Yeah, and uh, also there's a silver explorer in uh, in general circulation. It's number seventy one. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, which is fantastic. which is pretty strange because a lot of the time in past sets, um, I think Silver Explorers were there were promo. Uh, I think they were like yeah, were they tournament is. packs. Yeah, I think they were tournament pack stuff in Frozen North. Okay, yeah, and then the special yeah. edition from uh, the OE ten. Yeah, and then I want to say they existed before that. Uh, were, weren't there some in Crimson Coast or Revolution? Uh, not that I remember. There was that that weird silver coin card from Crimson Coast, the dry powder version. Yeah, yeah no, I'm pretty explorers. sure there were. There were silver explorers from before Ocean's Edge, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just can't remember which set they're from. Yeah, the Silver Explorer here, the Spanish, um, that'd be a good choice for the Concepcion, like you talked about earlier, with the yeah. stacking the bonuses, so you could stay within the set here and do that. Um, I will say, oh. um, a lot of players did like the uh, different crew portraits for the uh, for the generic crew. They did that mm-hmm. in this set and in Fire and Steel, and a lot of, some of the players did like that. I kind of like the classic pictures, but it is kind of cool to be able to tell the difference more uh, from the unique faction-based crew portraits. Yeah, they change not only between crew types, but also crew factions, and they look more like they belong to their uh, respective faction. Yeah. All the cursed ones, they are dead-looking and ethereal, um, while as you know, while the, uh, the Spanish look Spanish, and the French look French, uh-huh. and all that jazz. Yeah. And uh, once you get beyond the generic crew, you come to the super rares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Crusher is the first one. It's a pirate scorpion, actually, so it's not a cursed scorpion for once. Um, this one is a three master, of course. Twelve points, four cargo, L move. Cannons are three S, three L, three L, and then just the scorpion keyword, no other abilities. Um, but that actually keeps the cost down very nicely because the other scorpions we saw were fifteen points and up. So this one actually becomes one of the best, if not maybe the best scorpion. I like the bloody blade a little better, but the Crusher is a very, um, a playable ship, not a great one, but the pirates get one of the better scorpions, of course, because the cursed can't get their own ship type to be good, kind of like the Vikings with the, the Kettering and whatnot, but anyway, and of mm-hmm. course, the, the Americans also stole the, the submarine from the Mercs with the Mercury, but anyway... Well, I think the Mercury is supposed to be their own design. It's the no, limit that they stole. Yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah, I meant to say, like, they stole, like, the concept of, like, the mercenaries should have the best three-masted submarine and the Vikings should have the best three-masted longship, but the Americans kind of, like, topped both of those in a way. Um, yeah. But anyway, the Crusher is actually a pretty good Scorpion, uh, mostly because the other ones are bad. And uh, this uh, super rare pack featured a lot of glitter, <laughs> just like the Ocean's Edge pack. So the Crusher and the other SRs are quite sparkly and shiny, which is, I guess, cool, but a little, it might turn some people off. I think it's cool, but kind of funky. I, I'm not against the glittery stuff here because the units were actually at least unique from the normal set. Uh-huh. Unlike, uh, <clears throat> Ocean's Edge, yeah. where they were literally just glittery clones of what was in the set. That was really disappointing. Yeah. Uh, but, this, at least, I think you could say is arguably the best Scorpion because it's the cheapest, and statistically, it's not too awkward. Mm-hmm. Also a good-looking ship. Yeah. Um, it's just also, again, like not super exciting because it's not amazingly well-armed for how expensive it is. Um, 
so I guess uh, we can we can talk about the Doom Box as well, real quick, which is a flotilla that came with it. Um, it's also a little sparkly. This is a pirate flotilla. Um, all of its guns are 3S, so it's basically the same as uh, as whatever that cursed one was at the start of the set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Death Sinker. So, yeah, Death Sinker. <clears throat> so, so I guess of decent value, but you know nothing exceptional and not as good as Gibraltar. So let's talk about Captain Mission or Mission or whatever it was instead. They spelled his name at least two different ways. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's four points. Uh, loyal pirate Captain Parley. So a captain with a pretty decent ability attached to him. Yeah. Yeah, he gets Parley for one point, similar to mm-hmm. Noir. So I think this is a really great crew. I think this is one of the more underrated pirate crew in the game, too. Um, maybe because of the rarity a little bit. And he's, his other versions are useful, especially the Mysterious Islands original version. Um, but I think this is a great crew for gunships. Um, or even hybrids as well, like the Dark Hawk, maybe the Raven, um, maybe the Bloody, even the Bloody Jewel could benefit from someone like this. So I think this is a really flexible and awesome name group for pirates, and I'd like to use him even more. So that's mm-hmm. a good one. And yeah, the Doombox, and... Doombox is a good addition for the pirates. I think it's a good looking flotilla, but as they go, um, similar to the Death Anchor, just kind of, kind of mediocre, but still a good, good firepower deal. Yeah. Um, and I'd also like to point out, with this super rare pack came a pirate silver explorer who also had a glittery tile. Uh, do you happen to know if the coins themselves had glitter? They are, and I know that because I used them in my economy edition game where they were worth um, extra gold compared to mm-hmm. normal values. Yep. Yeah, because they're because they're silver, I guess. Yeah. Um, sparkly silver. Yeah, they're expensive. Uh, are they sparkly they're... on the backside? Uh, no. So you can't, okay, yeah, good. no, that's good, because then you'd be able to tell them apart, so. It's like yeah, that would be a little cheaty. Yeah, because in my Economy Edition game, this, the shiny silver was worth three times the printed value, and then the gold, the shiny gold from uh, the OE Super Rare Pack was worth two times, and I had the silver worth more because it's, there's just more glitter, so there's a ton of glitter on the coins from this silver, silver <laughs> card. <laughs> it's pretty cool, actually. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, uh, thinking about glitter and coins real quick, <laughs> if if the game had kept going, I wouldn't mind if they made the back of the gold coins glittery. Yeah, yeah, that's a solid idea. Yeah, yeah. Although um, uh, at the same time, that might allow people to cheat if if they uh, yeah if they use if they put in too. seven one point coins and then a glittery backed eight point mm-hmm. coin. Yeah, yeah, you can tell the difference sometimes with the transparent ones from the. DJC set, which is always interesting. Wait, so, were those translucent? From, yeah, from yeah, the, from the, red, the Red Skull card, yep. Um, I didn't I, realize that. Yeah, Wolf may have said they made a mistake there. I can't remember, though, so I don't... It's still it. funny, though. Yeah, and it's interesting because I think the different coins are one of the best ways to use house rules. For the translucent ones, I say that they can, at least in some games, they could give the ship ghost ship. Um, when the coin is oh, aboard. I like that idea. Yeah, when the coin is aboard, and then the shiny, depending on how shiny it is, just like I did in my economy edition game, they could be worth extra. So um, arbitrary uh, amounts of shininess and thus extra value. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, um, if you have both, check out the difference between the silver score from this set versus Ocean's Edge because it's, it's quite a difference. Or not the silver score, but the the shiny gold from uh, OE. So 
Uh, yeah, I don't think I have all these different variants, but it'd be interesting yeah. to look at. Yeah, yeah, I actually have. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. I have a coin bag for my my main coin bag has a ton of different ones in it. So I put my zeros in there, the shiny gold, the shiny silver, the translucent, and then regular stuff. So there's quite a nice mix there. And I know Wolf does that sometimes too. Um, mm-hmm. And then another little tiny thing for my Command the Oceans campaign game last year, I put some some like gold paint on the back of regular gold coins to make them like stand out as shiny. So oh. that's a fun one too. Then it's like mm-hmm. gives them a nice sheen instead of being kind of flat. I mean, they're glossy, but if you put them gold on them, they look more like real coins. So it's kind of neat. Um, yeah, I, I always did also like the way that all the coins were actually pretty well printed on the back to look like a doubloon. Yeah, no, I love that. Always so cool. Like as a kid, you know, it's like, oh, it's, it's gold coins. Yeah, because they're well printed to look like a doubloon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, still, I still enjoy opening my my tin. I have a regular small size tin from Revolution with my yeah. Tin. So it's like filled, yeah, filled. a tin full of them, and you feel yeah. wealthy just like sifting your fingers through. Yeah, and then also like it's fun because I took a picture for the fleet review where. Uh, it kind of, I think, I don't know if it was the flash, like reflected some of the gold off of the inside silver tin. Cause it's like a little bit, almost not like a mirror, but it like made the effect cool. So anyway. Nice. Uh, if actually, if possible, could you post that picture with this podcast in the thread? I'll try to. Yeah. Yeah. If I can, yeah, if I can find it and yeah, I should be able to do that. Just got to make a note about it. Um, All right. Little fun fact, this, uh, or not so fun for the seller, unfortunately, who's at miniature trading. I think Tulu. Um, this super rare pack just sold for only six dollars and fifty cents on eBay within the past week. So, Ooh, I think yeah. According to my document, it had been at twenty nine and fifteen previously. So prices are going down on eBay. That's kind of a discussion for the next podcast. But anyway, uh, at the same time, I think that's a case where you can point to it as just maybe not such a good sell time. Yeah. Um, not like a period of time, like it's just not listed at the right time because um, I think it was you that pointed out something like if you want an item to sell for a lot, you list it for like Friday night or something when uh, a lot of people are going to be home and going to be available to uh, watch the bidding. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I posted that, but I, I have looked it up before because I've sold on eBay a bit. And apparently Sunday night between seven to 10 Pacific is technically the best window. But yeah, people like they kind of they're online more before like some people going to work on Monday or whatever. So anyway. Yeah. But. Um, anyway, after uh, after talking about the super rare pack. We're going to launch into the uh, special edition SE ships, but we can't straight away talk about the ones that actually arrived in the set. Um, I've got my little checklist out here. Uh, The miniature trading database skips straight from 90 to 93. Uh, We're going to postpone 93 so we can talk about 91 and 92. 91, as listed on the Rise of the Fiends checklist, was Cannibal King. Cannibal King was delayed and didn't come out until Savage Shores as one of the scavenger pack ships. Uh, For that reason, we're actually not going to talk about it in this episode. It'll come two episodes, well, two review episodes from now in the Savage Shores review. 92 is Raptor Maw. Again, this one was postponed and for some reason released as an LE or promotional item for Fire and Steel, the next set. So next set review we're going to talk about it and then after uh after raptor maw comes 93 which i think i'll let you start yeah uss mercury 
is uh, in this case the windcatcher version, not the mm -hmm. submarine. And yep. uh, it's an American three-masted windcatcher uh, special edition, of course. Twelve points, three uh, three cargo. SL move. All cannons are three L. And along with the windcatcher keyword, it says this ship ignores terrain. And uh, I believe this is the first time we've seen the windcatcher keyword. So real quick. Um, that, no, no, uh, no. It appeared in uh, Ocean's Edge. Oh yeah, good point. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'm just getting Although when up. we later get to Grinder, we will actually talk about the introduction of the turbine, but not yeah. quite yet. Yeah. Whoops. Um, mm -hmm. this, yeah. The Mercury is cool because she's got good artwork. That um, she's got a nice foresail with red, white, and blue. And uh, I think this is actually an underrated American um, scout ship and/or um, uh, gunship. I've used her really effectively in Vessel Campaign Game Three to transport some island upgrades. And with a captain and helmsman, she'll have a cargo space open. Um, very good speed at that point at SLS. Good cannons. The windcatcher keyword is best on a gold runner, but it's still useful for maneuverability, um, especially if you're docking and um, undocking a lot. And the ignoring terrain really helped with the island upgrades because I was able to go over reefs without taking damage. So it's kind of a specialty ship um, if you don't use it as a generic gunship, but I think it can really provide value um, in larger games and games where you have to cover a lot of distance uh, really quickly. Yeah. Uh, do, I mean, there's also the fact that wind catches are the most agile ship type because you can measure their move from their stern in addition to their bow. Um, I don't remember. Do Americans have an S Explore crew? Not that I remember. No? Yeah. Because yeah. uh, that would be, like, perfect for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would yeah. be cool. Um, yeah, I'm not as enthralled by USS Mercury, this version. Um, yeah. She has good guns, a good base move, but not all that much cargo. The ability is decent, but not, like, super good. Um... I think this is yeah, and like the ship type is good, but at the same time, um, the wind catcher keyword is most useful for when you need to change directions. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's not as important when your ship is fast. Yeah. Especially if it's built as a possible warship like the USS Mercury. Yeah. So I guess maybe she's supposed to be some sort of interceptor. Probably more useful in small games. Um. I'm going to say Captain Helmsman and then maybe Sat of some kind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good good combo. I think she's she proved her worth in big games, too. So it just depends on the role you kind of assign to her. So, um, And the yeah. Americans do have an ex-explorer, Dr. Clark Lewis. Um, okay. He north based on Lewis and Clark. But he also has the ignoring terrain ability. So Oh, you know, so he, is he five points or something? Four, but still... Four. Yes. Yeah, that's still redundant. Um, yeah, I bet that he could be better used on another ship with similar stats that doesn't yeah. spend extra points on yeah. ignoring terrain itself. Yeah, I think the peacock with a helmsman. I keep I keep mentioning the peacock, but she keeps coming up. So yeah, yeah. it's a decent combo. Yeah. Um, after the after USS Mercury comes another very red, white, and well, I guess. Does she have some blue on her? Polaris? Uh, a little, maybe. Yeah. Um, another funny thing about Polaris, um, in this case, no, not the ship from Frozen North. So two ships, uh, or yeah, two ships in a row that have ships with identical names from previous sets. 
Um, Polaris is a double catamaran. I think this is the first instance of a double catamaran appearing. I think so, yeah. Yeah, because there were none in Ocean's Edge. Ocean's Edge introduced the catamaran, and there were none in Caribbean. So, yeah, Polaris was the first double catamaran, which is basically the same rules as a catamaran. You have to roll to see if you're, you know, if you're even allowed to shoot at the ship. Um, and double catamarans are twice the pain because they can absorb twice as many hits. It's kind of the same idea as a turtle ship, but for a larger ship. Anyway, um, as a double catamaran, she has three masts. Uh, she's 15 points, three cargo space, L move, three S guns on the end and a three L in the middle. After the ship resolves a shoot action, she can move as a free action. Um, she's got a lot going for her defensively, but I don't think she's all that great, uh, among catamarans because she's lacking firepower. She's not fast. Um, she doesn't have much cargo space. She's expensive. Sure. She's probably kind of hard to kill, but she can't actually put out that much firepower. Yeah. Yeah. This one has never impressed me. Um, I don't really like it, even though it's English. I think it's really boring except for the double catamaran keyword, um, reverse captains, not really worth the cost. So you'd have to put a world heater and a captain helmsman ability on here. And that runs you up to around 24 points. So for that, you could get the Titan with, you know, Captain Helmsman reroll for 25. So the Polaris mm. has a serious issue with costing and firepower. So basically got a double catamaran is the only thing that makes it stand out, but that's not enough to salvage the ship. So um, yeah. 095 is technically called the speedy return on the checklist, but we're going to talk about that on a future episode where we go mm -hmm. to Savage Shores. So I'm going to move on to uh, Terex, which is a cursed octopus, actually. And uh, octopus and kraken function the same, so you don't have to worry about that. Just look up the kraken keyword in the master keyword list. And it also has eternal, and it's a special edition, of course. Uh, 23 points, uh, zero cargo, of course, SS move. And the cannons, it's got, it's kind of just mixed up. It's got four, four S's and four, three S's. So it's got a mix of kind of mediocre cannons overall. Um, the one thing that really makes this special is the SS move, which is faster than any of the Krakens from the Caribbean set. All four mm -hmm. of those um, are L. And it also has Eternal. So this one, despite the lack of firepower and despite the huge cost, it's actually kind of comparable to some of the best Krakens that we've already seen. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have that global cancellation effect, which can be really devastating in a big game, but... Terex is actually kind of viable in a large game, like 80, preferably 100 or more points, and it gives the Cursed a nice um, a nice addition to their fleet of sea creatures, but realistically, the Kraken should have been there as well from Caribbean. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Terex, because of it, it, the armament is lame, or tentaclement, as I've referred to it. <laughs> Pun, but... Terex's base move and eternal keyword do help us stand out from the rest of the ones that were released. Um, Terex had a counterpart in this set, or would have had one, called Ocho Brazo, at, uh, which was number 97 after it on the checklist. Ocho Brazo, however, I'm not sure why, somebody out there might know, was first delayed uh, to later sets and then ultimately never released. Uh, Ochobrazo does not exist. 
uh, never did exist, never will at this point, unless somebody, you know, does some fan art and then prints off some copies for people to use. But even if somebody does do that, Ultra Brazo is not one you really want, uh, because Ultra Brazo is easily the worst of the octopus. Yeah. Um, do you have the stats up to read? Because the stats did uh, leak out. Yeah, well, possibly Wolf. through Wolf or someone else. Yeah, Wolf released the stats for Ocho Brazo. Started started with some hints on the forum a long time ago, and then he kind of he's given it um, given up the stats in full uh, multiple times. I think since then, so it's actually a Spanish octopus, same uh, same as the Kraken. It's twenty seven points, so three more than any other Kraken. Uh, zero cargo, L move, all eight tentacles are three S, and it also has fear built in. So another instance of fear being overpriced, way overpriced. Um, I can see this at like 18 or 19, um, so it's pretty bad. Yeah. 27 um, is just obscene, honestly. Yeah, Ultra Brazo's problem is it has an overpriced ability, and it's, you know, uh, it's just way too expensive and not nearly effective enough. Yeah. You can get cheaper things that are better, period. Um, after Ocho Brazo is grinder and grinder is probably one of the more valuable like se uh boxed ship uh types out there uh grinder was the first turbine ever released and now let me pull up the keywords thing so i can describe what a turbine is for you it's basically kind of a paddle ship um and the ability is a ship with this keyword is not derelict when it has no masts remaining if it has no masts one hit still sinks it. So in other words, turbines uh, can continue to move at their their printed base move or use the bonuses for that move even when they have no masts, yep. which is pretty useful because the grinder um, – well, because grinder moves S plus L. Um, now diving into grinder stats, uh, 12 points turbine, as I said, uh, S plus L move, four cargo space, all 2L guns, and this ship cannot be pinned, which is really interesting. So it's like super pro mobility. It's got great guns, good uh, base move, and good cargo space. This is easily one of their best ships. Yeah. Yeah. Wolf uh, yeah it's I, a cursed ship, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Wolf and I agree, and others, that the grinder is pretty much the best first ship in existence um it's wicked good um it looks like one of the premier ships from even the pirates maybe um and based on the stats and everything uh normally you would expect whiz to kids cost this at you know 18 or more probably with how they usually do things but for some reason the curse really got a nice boon here Maybe it'd be hilarious if it came out that it was like a misprint at like 22, but that'd be funny. But anyway. Yeah, well, well that's that's really funny you should say that because I've made the same criticism about the next ship. Well, assuming you're done talking about Grinder. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no, I got more to rave about. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, uh, you know, no, actually, you keep going then because I'll bring up that thing later. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's just so good because Turbine, I think this is, I might, I should make a YouTube video about this, but Turbine is underpriced so so you can have four coins board with a helmsman or three coins and still move sls without any math it's really really great um it becomes um pretty ugly with a oarsman because then um it's almost impossible to capture you need canceling um this was a nightmare for the americans facing 
the curse commanded by Xerix in uh, CG3 on Vassal. Um, there is, gosh, Turbine, I think, yeah, I gotta give more exposure to this, because I think Turbine is one of the most underpriced keywords in the game, um, and I've had experience with it in a few physical games. El Cazador made a custom hoist turbine called the Tenfold, which honestly, like, dominated some games. Wait, does, um, does that actually, like, move? Like, does that exist? <laughs> no, not, no, it's, no, it's a custom, but, um, Like, or, I mean, like, are the pieces compatible? Oh, because I know, yeah. I know, like hoist and it's like it's you like probably, hoist and uh, what was it? Bombardiers are like super compatible. They're almost the exact same cutout. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Now you'd have to like attach the turbine somehow, but yeah, yeah. It's kind of a wacky concept. But um, we may have even talked about it already, I think. But anyway, on an That's earlier sad. episode. Um, but the grinder it's just it's ridiculous. It's like it's one of those stacked <laughs> ships, kind of like the virtuous wind. Um, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just almost perfect pretty much in every way. And the cannot be pinned. I mean, you could use this as like a ramming boarding ship for stealing gold from any gold runners with a captain and helmsman. Um, it's maybe the best first gunship and their best gold runner in a way in terms of 40 point game. So you can mm-hmm. lavish enough praise on the ship. So just incredible. So a must have for the curse, but it is kind of tough to acquire. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of the weird things about turbines. There were only a couple released. There were more drafted up that uh, for a set that did not come out. We'll talk about that later. Uh, not on this podcast. But um, the the two aft masts are spaced way back from the first mast because of the uh, paddle wheels for the turbine. It's really strange. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I've I've actually played Grinder. Um, I I do own one copy of this ship. I liked using it. Um, I before I move on, I would like to talk about how uh, how the ship was distributed. Um, I think starting with Ocean's Edge, they put out like special edition tins plus special edition boxes. Mm. Um, because uh, if you think about it, there were special edition four-mast ships from SE boxes in Ocean's Edge, in Caribbean, uh, in Rise of the Fiends, and I think in Fire and Steel as well. Although I don't think they did um, the uh, the SE ship tins for Fire and Steel, but they did do them for Ocean's Edge. They did do them for, uh, for Caribbean. Uh, that's how you got the Krakens. And they did them for this, only for Rise of the Fiends, they called them treasure chests. And they're sort of like treasure chest little shaped boxes. Um, for a while, you could still find them on Amazon, but they've disappeared. I guess they ran out of stock. Yeah. And for quite a while, that was a good way to have a very good chance of getting your hands on Grinder. Um, unfortunately, those are now pretty hard to find, and so is Grinder. Um but after Grinder on the list, um, and actually this ties into what you were talking about earlier with how Grinder may have been a typo, maybe it's supposed to be 22, because uh, I said sort of the opposite about number 99 on the Rise of the Fiends checklist, Soul Crusher, which was not printed in, uh, in Rise of the Fiends. It was also a turbine, but it came out in Savage Shores, and unfortunately, it's easily the worst turbine that was ever drafted up. They put it at 21 points, 
Um, I joked about how they must have missed a key while trying to type out 11 because it's really bad. Yeah. It's considerably worse than Grinder, but it's nine points more expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's a big, really bad ship. Yeah, big mistake. Yep. Um, but we'll talk more about Soul Crusher in the Savage Shores review. Um, after Soul Crusher, we'll have uh, we have uh, the four SE boxed four masters to talk about. Yeah, and I'll let you kick that off. Okay. Yeah, HMS Forge is the first one, number 100 in the set. Um, the English get a four-master, 13 points, uh, four cargo, L move. The cannons are 2S, 2L, 3L, 3S. So pretty good, getting slightly worse towards the stern. And this ship ignores the first hit. She takes each turn as long as she has all of her masks. So this is a pretty good gunship for the, the English. They get yet another um, well-priced, well-costed, um, large gunship options. So they've got a lot of them already. This just adds to the to the pile, essentially. Um, so it's a very good ship. I've used her before pretty effectively. Um, I would think Firepot Specialist, World Hater, those are pretty good options. Um, maybe extra action in a smaller game, but Forge is a good one. Yeah, I, I do like Forge because she's well-armed, has good cargo, and a useful ability. Um, a little bit on the slow side, and the English do have a lot of good options at this price range and for slightly cheaper. But she's probably an undersung option, and I think she's a pretty good-looking ship, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After HMS Forge, it comes Rusty Harpoon, which is not so good. This is more kind of generic uh, box ship stuff. Uh, she's a good-looking ship, but her stats aren't so good. She's 12 points, 3 cargo, L-move, all 3S guns, plus 1 boarding rolls, plus 1 cannon rolls against sea creatures. That's that's super boring. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm not hunting her too much. Um, I don't have this one yet, but it's just not much to get excited about. So. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The next one is Hades Realm, which is very exciting. The first get a four master, uh, 13 points, four cargo, only S move, but you'll see in a second. Uh, all four cannons are three S, and the ability is if this ship has a crew with a captain keyword, she gets plus L to her base move. So similar to the Saratoga. Um, a fantastic ability. So you start off at S, but then you add Captain and Helmsman, and you end up at SLS for 18 points with two cargo left over. Um, average firepower. So this is one of the best cursed hybrids. It's one of their fastest ships in terms of like max speed, and it's four mass. So it's not even like a small quick ship. It's it's a legitimate threat. Um, it's tough to fit much else on here. Um, I guess Phantasma from this set would work. Um, the seven-point version. You could try the OE version as well, but this is just a good first gunship. Um, it reminds me of the Executioner, just kind of. No, it, it's got some differences, but um, but it's quite a good ship, honestly, for the curse. Mm-hmm. Um, Capabilities-wise, it's pretty similar to the Executioner. That's a good comparison, um, although it's like slightly cheaper for. Uh, for you know, slightly less effective of a ship. Yeah. I would like to point out that Hades Realm is tied for, uh, like, tied with several other ships for uh, the status of second fastest four-masted ship in the game. Nice. Um, you can read more about that in my review of the piece. It's not totally comprehensive, but it does go through that quite a lot. Uh, Hades Realm is is up there with HMS Forge and, uh, like, Franklin as 
some of the best uh, SE formatted box ships because a lot of them were really pretty bad. Uh, I've got a ranking thread for that, and people can go through and check those out. Uh, the next one up is Isabella, which is Spain's entry into this. Isabella is 12 points, has only S base move, but has five cargo, uh, all th- uh, all rank three guns, S at the ends, L in the middle, and one of the ship's treasures is worth plus two gold when unloaded at your home island. I feel like, oh, and she's got that like crazy yellow gold uh like yellow and red art that we've seen for many Spanish ships this set. Yeah. I feel like we've seen this ship before this set already, you know? Yeah, the Concepcion is a tiny bit faster but worse firepower. So it's another treasure galleon, extremely yeah. similar, similar artwork too. Um, the Isabella is slightly better as a hybrid, but she's really slow, so the Conception is a bit better as a straight gold ship or, or treasure carrier. Um, and the Isabella randomly is one of the best ships to pro- proxy for the Castille. Um, Castille, I think it is, maybe? Yeah, that's how it used to say it, but I thought I was doing it wrong. But anyway, uh, I might be saying it wrong. Yeah, either way. But that's the one of the ships in a bottle, one of ones, that uh, Old Man has. It looks kind of similar to the Isabella. So anyway, yeah. uh, the Isabella is a solid ship, actually. Um, the speed really holds her back, but she's not bad at all. Um, uh, so now we're into the number 200 LEs, if you want to introduce those. I will. Um, I'll talk about first how these were not distributed, uh, because <laughs> most sets, when you scroll through, you know, you find the uh, the uh, the set of promos or LEs or whatever they are. For some reason, they're marked differently after a certain point in the game's history, um, despite all having bronze corners. Everybody knows that, you know, starting with, uh, you know, uh, ship number 200, whatever, in uh, basically every set since the South China Seas. Yeah, every set between South China Seas and Ocean's Edge, you had tournament pack ships. There were 18 of them. They started at number 200. They all had the bronze corner. And uh, you could get them in little tournament pack things with a booster box. Well, this set... Uh, had a bunch of ships and crew and unique treasures drawn up, but they were never distributed in little packs with booster boxes. The only way the alleys were distributed were in the factory set, which I think were sent out to journalists or sometimes game shops. They were just kind of a demo thing. And uh, so all of these are only available through factory sets, which on occasion come up for sale. I snapped one up that was a decent deal on eBay at one point, yeah. and uh, this don't bother just trying to get them like individually unless you only want one or two yeah. because they're going to be expensive that way. Yeah, I remember you got a really good deal on that because I was watching it and I was astounded by how low it was. was yeah, I, I don't remember what it went for, but it wasn't that much. Yeah. Or, wait, or maybe it wasn't like uh, amazingly much, but it was... I don't remember it being super cheap. I remember yeah. myself thinking, I've got to sell off the rest of the thing to, to get yeah. my money back. Yeah. Um, some people, I think some people have paid around 200 though, just for the LEs in the past. So. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, something else funny about the factory set is it's the only way to acquire 
non-punched uh se boxed four masters yes. from this set because all se boxed four masters were normally punched and assembled and visible through a little window in the box with this set you could get them unpunched in the factory set um i hate to tell people but uh the ones that i pulled out of my factory set i had since punched and assembled so <laughs> Yeah, um, right. yeah, I'm I'm sure I could have auctioned them off individually. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, somebody was selling those unpunched on the forum maybe a few years ago, um, and that was definitely a unique case. That's that does make them pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, yeah, three three out of the four SE box ships are worth using. So yeah, it's good to punch them and use them. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll start um, the LEs. Uh, yeah, feel yeah. Free. So the Fool's Hope, uh, fittingly. I started the set with the ship, and here's the limited edition version, um, like two and a half hours later, um, number 200. It's an, a Pirate 5 Master again. Um, this one is only 14 points, so five points less. Three cargo, L move, all five cannons are 3S. That's all the same. But then instead of Eternal and a boarding ability, she has EA. Once return, roll a D6 on a Pirate 6, give her an extra action, which is way better than that combo we saw earlier, especially for five points less. Um... So this is a far better version of Fool's Hope. This one is actually, I think, one of the more underrated Pirate 5 Masters. I would say Captain Helmsman, reroll World Hater, and you're good to go. Devastating. I would agree with you. Um, I'd also like to point out, again, I made the comparison to the promotional version of Flying Dutchman, which was 11 points, 3 cargo space, L-move, all 3S guns. This is basically that, plus... Uh, EA for three points more, which makes Fool's Hope, this version of Fool's Hope, a really good deal and far better than the powerful but too expensive version that we saw earlier. Um, And just as a pretext, in case I didn't mention it, every Ellie in this set of about a dozen of them is a... They are all sort of clones of existing ships from pack circulation, but with modified stats. So we're going to have a few five masters, a few one masters crew, and then some UTs. Uh, The next five master is HMS Apollo. Uh, This version is also 14 points, four cargo, SS move, two S guns on the end, three L guns in the middle. And this one has re-roll instead of that kind of, uh, it was like some faction-specific ability, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was plus one against pirates for the rare version. Yeah, okay. yeah, this is a much more flexible ability, um, and even if you're facing pirates, arguably as valuable, if not still more valuable. Yeah. Um, combine the good firepower and the good cargo space and a nice flexible ability, and you've got really another pretty dang good five master here. Yeah, yeah, yet yet again, the, the English get a great five master. This one even better than the rare version. Um, they look pretty much identical, so this is another good... I think product. they just reused the art. Yeah, they, yeah, it is the same, yep. Um, which is all right. Um, and we see a, a beat-up Apollo next to that, but anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So this one is definitely better, and I like the proxy um, the proxy case where you could just use this version because it's better, So, which I've done <clears throat> a few times. So another great ship. Mm-hmm. And the next one is even greater, though. The San Cristobal Returns as uh, five master of course for the spanish this one is 15 points as compared to 17 
five cargo SS move. The cannons are the same, three S's on the ends, and then three L's, the middle three cannons, and SAT built in. So once per turn, uh, roll a D6 on a five or six, you can give her the same action twice. So this one, um, not quite as good as the other version, but still a wicked good five master. Um, I would do Captain Helmsman, maybe reroll, um, and uh, this is just an incredible ship. Um, not as famous as the other version, but almost almost as good as being just you know just wicked good. It's it's, mm -hmm. it's crazy how how amazing both are. Yeah, um, this version of Sam Cristobal I like to liken to HMS Titan, uh -huh. um, and the reason for that is they're okay. This version of Cristobal is 15 points, Titan is 17, so they're not quite the same, but they do have a lot of things in common. Um, they both have five cargo space. They both have uh, S-range guns on the ends and then all L in the middle, and then a an ability that gives them an extra action. This one's faster and has SAT instead of EA, um, and its guns are not quite as accurate, but it is two points cheaper and of course, it's Spanish, so it won't play the same because you're going to have different crew on it. But it's still absolutely comparable and excellent. Yep. Um, after San Cristobal comes Weasel again, and it's still terrible because it's five points, three cargo, S move, four S gun, and once per turn, this can look good. And one face down cargo and a ship. It's too slow to be a decent gold runner, and putting a helmsman on it would be a waste of points. It's awful. Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit better than the other version because it's three points cheaper, but it's still pretty much unusable. So especially mm -hmm. with pirates. Um, the stingray appears next, and she's two points cheaper. Um, one masted English sloop, two cargo S move, two S cannon. Still instead of. L immunity, she has um, cargo wrecking. For every hit, you eliminate the cargo, but she's only got one cannon, so... And at S-speed, you're not going to catch much of anything or stand a chance against ramming, so it's still pretty much useless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, HMS Stingray is, in both forms, awful. Um, this version... Uh, it's trying to be a support gunship. It's not good enough for that. It just isn't. Um, this version of Halcon, though, next ship down, is, again, it's not anything super special, but it is an okay gold runner. It's six points, three cargo, L move, three S gun. Uh, once per turn, the ship can move S after unloading cargo. So it's got a fitting ability. It's still nothing super special, but you won't hate yourself for using it. Yeah, yeah, this one is uh, is not too bad. Very similar to the other version. Same six-point cost, but not too much to get excited about, but it's all right. Mm -hmm. um, the crew, however, are worth getting excited about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crimson Angel, yet another version of her. I don't know, this might be four or five in the game overall, um, including both in this set. So six points now. She does have the crew of any nationality can use her abilities on this ship, but she also gets captain now, so... Couple three coin abilities combined into one cargo space. This is a great crew for a ship like the Zeus or uh, an expensive pirate five master, maybe even the 20 point flying Dutchman. Um, I'm not 100% sure which crew would be best. Um, maybe you could do Copy or Davy Jones. You could do a lot of interesting things with the ability. Um, so it's a, it's a good crew, definitely. Yeah, uh, this, because she combines Captain, one of the best abilities in the game, and uh, the 
any nationality through ability, which are the most flexible abilities in the game. There's a lot that can be done with this. And because she's a pirate, you know, she's access to many of the best ships in the game. Um, this, yeah, Davy Jones, um, Schultz, or you can do all sorts of stuff with uh, this version of Crimson Angel. Some of them may involve uh, the next crew down on the list, which I like to make use of quite a lot in hypothetical fleets. It's the LE version of Griffin. And this version of Griffin is super interesting because he's seven points, so he's pretty expensive. Uh, but his ability is, if this ship has a captain keyword, she gets plus one to her cannon rolls and plus S to her base move. Both of these stack with stuff like World Hater and with a Helmsman. So with Griffin, a captain, a Helmsman, and a World Hater, you can get plus two to your cannon rolls and plus SS to your move. He's expensive, but he his abilities are incredibly powerful, and they do allow you to kind of go nuts with stacking bonuses. Yeah, yeah, this is a really great crew. Um, it can be devastating on a big ship that can afford to fit a lot of points of those other abilities um, that stack. Like the Titan, the Swallow, they come to mind. Maybe on a 10-master of some kind, like the Shrijuan. Um, so yeah, this one has a lot of potential, and once again, it's an easy proxy because the the common version is quite common because it's a common, pretty common set for the most part, and uh, same picture and everything, same set. So, um, and the next one is Dominic Freda. This is another version of him. This one has Explorer, but instead of plus one cargo, it has the plus two gold ability. So one of the ship's treasures worth plus two gold when unloaded at your home island. Still four points. Um, the other one is a little bit better for hybrid use, but this one, if you've already got a ship with a lot of cargo, this is a really fantastic crew for a lot of different Spanish ships. Mm -hmm. Both versions of Donic Fred are absolutely magnificent. I'd say the other one is probably more useful on more ships, but on the right ship, this version of Dominic Freda is absolutely amazing too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. After Dominic Freda comes the original version of Voodoo Doll, Death's Doll, and uh, funny enough, um, Death's Doll doesn't actually have a description on miniature trading, but fortunately Wolf has a comment that describes it. It's the same thing as Voodoo Doll, uh, except that it can target the cursed. It doesn't discriminate against factions. It affects uh, everything. So uh, I'm going to open up Voodoo Doll and just kind of read it off as if it didn't affect or as if it did affect the cursed. So it's at the beginning of each of your turns, choose an enemy crew and roll a d6. As a result, uh, or on a result of five or six, that turn that crew face down, it can't use its abilities on its next turn. So it's basically a random chance uh, um, canceler that can be used from anywhere on the board. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so pretty neat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. And, Bloody Gold is the next one. So this one is basically Blood Money, which I went over. Um, but this one, Wolf says, the only gameplay difference is that the Spanish are not immune to Bloody Gold, which makes it more reasonable. So I'd much rather use this one, but it's more rare. Um, and uh, I still wouldn't really want to use it because it's pretty nasty. Negative UT that takes a while to read and fully understand. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, Bloody Gold is... <sighs> 
or, or the, the the blood money one is like a super irritating Spain favoring negative UT. Uh, Bloody gold is a super irritating nobody favoring negative UT. It's uh, it's not as bad as wolves or missionary probably, but it's it's up there, and you really wouldn't want to use it as anything other than a way to shut down gold running for your opponent. Um, and then comes up Savage Natives, which is the last one of the LEs. And it says it's a direct variant of Cursed Natives, which was the uh, the pack version. Only difference is that it does affect the Cursed. So I'm just going to read it off as, uh, as, uh, as how it should be. It's when revealed, roll a d6. On a result of 1 to 3, eliminate a crew on the ship has the lowest point value. On 4 to 6, eliminate the crew has the highest point value. The ship can then load one more treasure only. Put cursed natives face, or I guess in this case, savage natives face down on the island. This ship must leave the island on your next turn. I'm guessing this was probably inspired by uh, the natives from the Pirates of the Caribbean film, the second one. Yeah, could be. Um... Yeah, again, kind of an irritating negative UT, uh, not a super special one. Um, and should we do the mail-in or the, uh, the what's it called? Yeah, the Spectre oh. makes sense, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah so okay. number 300 is a unique mail-in ship called the Spectre. Um, you have to get the special Spectre story um, and mail it back in, I think, with pack wrappers. And uh, number 300 is a Cursed 5 Master. It's 21 points, 4 cargo, L move. The cannons are 4S, 3S, 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 4S. And then Fear, and after the ship moves, she can look at all treasure on all islands and ships within L of her, which is also the Unholy Light keyword. And this one, I love the concept. I think it's really cool. This one is glow-in-the-dark, so they actually made the... The uh, ship parts, the sails, and the hull and everything uh, glow-in-the-dark featured, which I think is awesome. I don't have this one yet. This is one of my most wanted ships to some degree, but as you can kind of tell, it's not great for gameplay. It doesn't really have anything awesome going for it. I think for 21 points, it should have either LS speed or much better like 2L cannons or something. Um, they overpriced fear and the Unholy Light ability, so the Spectre really suffers for it. Um, it's one of the coolest ideas they had that was not well executed just like some of their other cool ideas yeah Spectre is a really cool ship that I wish was worth, worth using but I mean all right, I, I say that because yeah she's a cool rare mail-in ship and she's glow in the dark she looks cool and she, she's got an interesting ability but unfortunately all of her base stats just let her down so so much the guns are kind of bleh the base move is Blah. The cargo space is it's good, but it's not nearly good enough to make you go, yeah, let's use this as a gold runner, which is what she's supposed to be. And she's really expensive. I mean, to justify her at this cost, all two L guns I don't think would work. She's not built for that. Um, I think she would need significantly more cargo, like six or seven, and at least SS move, maybe even LS. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Like seven cargo and LS. Actually, why not make it eight cargo and LS? Give the curse something interesting and good. Yeah, I no five master has more than six cargo, so I just think it's a little 
funky. Well, four master his eight cargo. I know. Well, like that's, also a three master. Yeah, that's another mistake which gets made in my opinion. But oh well. Wayne Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just kidding, Wolf. We love you. Um, but uh, uh, actually, I'd like to talk real quick about how Spectre was intended to be acquired. Um, Spectre was a mail-in offer ship. Um, you would have gone through packs, seen if you could find the story unique to the Spectre, and then mail it in with like a uh, couple receipts and like a little form, and then they would mail you back the Spectre. But as we discussed earlier, the distribution for the story slips was really pretty poor. So it was kind of tough to get Spectre. Um, I think they were also having some like distribution problems, even with successful mail-ins back in the day, from what I heard. Yeah. Uh, this being towards the end of the game's production run. Um and we have one more ship to talk about after Spectre that we uh, we skipped over at the very beginning. Uh, would you like to bring that up? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a really cool ship I've had for a while that I that I like. Um, so the Delusion, as a lot of people probably know, is the most expensive ship in the game. This is a cursed ten master. It's thirty five points, so a ridiculous cost. Um, technically, the Bouchuan and Guichuan you spend more points on because you have to use the crew, but the Delusion has the highest base cost in the game by five points. So she's 35, uh, seven cargo, L move, the 10 cannons from uh, Bowdestern. Hopefully this is correct in the database. I think I've corrected it at least once. It's uh, 4S, 4L, 3, 3Ls, uh, 4L, 3S, 4S, 3S, 3S. So they're all ranked three and four with a mix mm -hmm. of ranges. Um, and then it's got a whopping five different keywords. So we've got Eternal. So it can come back uh, filching gold, so you can take a treasure without needing to win a boarding party. Ghost ship, so you can ghost through islands and other ships and terrain. Junk. But you can't you can. because it's too big. Yeah, yeah. well, with extra actions you can with Davy Jones, of course. Um, junk, which so you can shoot through your own mass, of course, 10 mass of junk. And Unholy Light, which we just saw on the Spectre, so you can peek at all the treasures on ships and islands with an L of the ship. And it's got a link to Fitzgerald, which is the featured named crew. Uh, he's just a basic five-point curse named crew with hoarding gold, um, which is kind of kind of not too necessary because you're usually going to use the Delusion as a giant gunship, um, and she's already got filching gold built in. But you could use Fitzgerald on another cursed ship because you don't have to use him on the Delusion. Um, so the Delusion is also glow-in-the-dark. There's actually an excellent gallery picture of the Delusion. And... Uh, glowing in the dark. It looks amazing. I actually took a number of pictures of the Delusion in the dark um, for my 2014 fleet review when I reviewed my entire collection, basically. It was really cool, and I'll try to remember to put links, uh, or put a picture up in the thread, at the very least, um, of the Delusion glowing in the dark. And that being said, though, the Delusion really falls short because she's obscenely expensive. She can't really do anything great. Um, You'd like to use her as like this epic hybrid, but even the curse could get better options for less. Like you could use the Hades Realm and the Executioner and have two hybrids for less points. So the delusion kind of just falls prey to having a ton of stuff that makes her really expensive. I think if you took away Unholy Light um, and maybe even Ghost Ship, that would make her less thematic, but it would make her a little bit more usable. 
Um, but for 35 points, I think they could have made the cannon ranges or the cannon ranks all like one better and kept the 35 cost because she's just not that good of a ship. Um, I've used her in campaign games. I have a ton of different ideas on setups. I have one really cool setup where Captain Nemo comes aboard and uh, you start sacking stuff. It's crazy. There's like, and I use Sir Edmund to put 41 points worth of crew aboard. So it totals like 76 points total for the combo. It's pretty crazy. And uh, that being said, the delusion is best suited for campaign games where she needs support um, to be effective because she doesn't actually do as well as you would hope for, for all the stuff she's got going for her. Yeah, delusion to me is unless you're gonna go way overboard with her, she's the worst five master because she's got the highest or ten. cost of your or yeah, ten master. She's got the highest cost of entry. She doesn't actually have that great of guns. Uh, she doesn't have crazy cargo space or any special base move. Uh, she's got a lot of superfluous abilities that you don't need and possibly won't or even sometimes can't use um ghost ship for example unless you have a helmsman and extra actions you can't use uh because what are you going to do go over islands and avoid them the ship is too big um i don't know if any or i'm sure that some of you out there who are listening don't own any 10 masters in which case i say go get a bouchwan they're still cheap and i'd say overall probably the second best Ten master, that's my opinion. I'll have to do the ranking thread on that at some point. But ten masters are legitimately huge. They're like like a lot of the ships in the game are what, like an inch or two long. I would say how long would you say a ten master has been? They're like five or six inches. Yeah, They're I think, gigantic. I think six. I based on I don't know, where the where the hull touches the water could be five, but if you go about a stern, stem to stem to stern, it could be six or seven. Yeah, yeah, they're really, really huge. Um, yeah, I guess their base is probably four and a half inches, maybe five. They're gigantic, and it's almost impossible to use something like Ghost Ship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm sure Delusion has some really interesting possibilities if you are willing to throw astonishing amounts of abilities on them. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty fun. But aside from that, she's kind of bad to me because she's impossible to use in any game that I will ever play. And even if I were to play a really big game, I'd rather use ships that I like more. Yeah, and even the other Ten Masters, too. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Fitzgerald, I guess I'll just say, is uh, couldn't they have come up with a more interesting crew for this? Yeah, I think it would be cooler if Fitzgerald had one of the keywords from the delusion with hoarding gold for a more appropriate price. Like one of those with hoarding gold for like six or seven. Yeah. Like almost a discount maybe. Yeah. Cause then the delusion would be cheaper and Fitzgerald would be more unique too. So anyway, the delusion is kind of like Epic, but almost like in a lot of ways, like an Epic fail. Kind of, I don't know. It's yeah. like the coolness factor is off the charts, but then in terms of winning games, um, she just doesn't measure up. In addition, um, what's the name of the? It's evading me right now. What's the name of the uh, the box or the pack that Delusion is available in? Delusion is probably like still oh. the most accessible Ten Master. Yeah, the Plunder Pack. I'll put it. Yeah, like, the Plunder Pack. Yeah, 
I'm going to yeah, put a bunch of links to Rise of the Fiend stuff if people want to buy the set. I'm going to do a bunch of that, actually. Yeah, um, the Plunder Pack was a sort of special box available for this set. Uh, it came with the Delusion, a Playmat, and then I don't remember what else. Uh, how many packs of what sets came in it? Do you remember? Um, I think it was two Ocean's Edge Mega Packs and then the map. So, okay, so two mega packs, a ten master, and then the like the play mat. Yeah. Um, do you happen to know what that mat is made of? Is it like vinyl or is it like? Uh, paper? Yeah, it feels vinyl to me. It's like kind of like okay. a glossy plastic. So. Okay, so it's like a decent material, but do the do like do the creases come out? Uh, not if or you, you keep it molded. It? I mean, I I didn't I don't know. I've used it a few times before I got my blue fabric, but I'd highly recommend the blue fabric because it's lighter. Um, the creases come out more easily, and it looks way better. The plunder pack map, regardless of the creases, which do, that is a problem, but it doesn't, I don't know, it's kind of glum. It's kind of like gloomy. It's very gray and drab. It's not a very pretty ocean to play on, honestly. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, those are still available for like 50 bucks, sometimes cheaper in flash sales on Hills Wholesale Gaming, which exactly. is one of the few... Yeah, it's one of the few shops that still stock a considerable amount of that's Pirate a, CSG. That's a perfect accidental segue because I was about to mention that. I've got Hills Up. The Plunder Packs are right now on sale for 35 instead of 49 Ooh, And That's a pretty good deal yeah, for new making, players. But making things even more crazy is Rise of the Fiends, lot of 36 booster packs, is on sale for 54 instead of 72 So. Ooh. This is a perfect time to buy Rise of the Fiends uh, at Hills as a result. The timing is ridiculous. We didn't do this on purpose with Rise of the Fiends set review. It just happens to be when We're Rise not of sponsored Fiends. or anything. Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, Rise of the Fiends, so that's on sale. The Plunder Pack is on sale, so perfect timing. So, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, um, to wrap up, I think my thoughts on the set are that I have to admit to my kind of mistakes I've made in the past, I bashed this set um, because of the name, the islands, the scorpions that I hate, um, the, the reverse power creep, the set was small, um, the UTs are a mess, but honestly, the majority of the set has a lot of interesting ships. The artwork is great. There's a ton of great name crew. Flotillas are awesome. A ton of the ships are usable, if not downright good or great or historically good, like the San Cristobal. Um, so I, I underrate the set, and I have to fess up to uh, underrating it quite often in the past. It's still not one of the best sets by any means, but um, it's really not a bad option, especially because it's usually pretty accessible and not too expensive. I'm, I'm going to say uh, I feel sort of slightly the opposite. I think most of it is like really pretty underwhelming and forgettable. Uh, I do agree on the art. But it's, I think, redeemed by the handful of really, really great units for factions that were otherwise kind of neglected for several sets. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Like, specifically, the Cursed and the Spanish got some really great stuff, yeah. um, as did the Pirates and the English. Uh, they aren't nearly as neglected um, throughout much of the game's period up through there, but... But yeah, I think things will get interesting with the Fire and Steel set, because I don't think we'll have as much positive to say. No, not at all. <laughs> no, Fire and Steel is going to be kind of ugly. Yeah, no no kidding. And it's it's a big stat, too, so it might be even longer, unfortunately. But... Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it does have some interesting stuff in there, though. Yep. It, 
not necessarily all good, but definitely some interesting stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So that just wraps about, wraps it up pretty much. Um, check out the the post or the description below on YouTube or the you know the podcast post on the various sites because I'm going to include a lot of links. I'll include some pictures. I'm going to link up your Hades Realm review. Um, I'm going to put links Thank to buy. You. Yeah, I'm going to put links to buy Rise of the Fiends. Um, and I got a note to ask Wolf that rules question. And uh, so, yeah, so thanks for watching and listening. Um, and this was episode 24, and uh, we'll be back soon. So thanks again, and we'll see you.